The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is still Sunday, October 9th. If you are joining us on the YouTube feed, youtube.com slash pick six. If you're in the chat, if you're hanging out with us, watching live, smash that like button. Or if you're watching later, hit the like button anyway. Make sure you subscribe and uh, turn on alerts to get notified when we go live. I just saw my alert pop up on my phone because I'm a subscriber to my own award-nominated podcast. Joining me. It's Monday, October 10th, if you're listening to the podcast. Of course, we appreciate any and all listeners, viewers, consumers. Joining me to break down week five, Sunday action, Ryan Wilson and John Breach. What's up, boys? Breach, I got a ticket. Just one ticket to the gun show. And old Snoopy wants a word, mother. What is happening here? Did not take long to get into. <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have shown up till we were two minutes in so we could skip the intro and have to look at Wilson's dumb tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> on his bulging bicep calling hr Bengals now two and three after losing snoopy three and two to the baltimore ravens on sunday night football um that means that with the rams and the Bengals both sitting at two and three we're going to the rams later this is the third time that each of the teams have played in the previous year's super bowl have had a losing record through five games in nfl history 1999 is the last time denver and atlanta both started one and four and 1988, Washington and Denver both started two and three. Can I uh, pose the first question to Breach? Sure. On a scale of one to ten, how angry are you that Zach Wilson continues to call plays? Zach Taylor. Yeah. Yeah, you, you wish Zach Wilson was calling plays. So here is the problem, is that every time the Bengals lose, what conversation do we have? It is the, is Zach Taylor a good, a good coach. coach conversation? I swear to God, we bring this up every single week because he makes at least – Five completely perplexing <laughs> decisions per game where you wonder how he became an NFL coach. And then he does other things and you're like, oh, it makes sense. He's a really good coach. How do you go from great to not knowing what you're doing in the span of one game every single week? Literally every single week. Every it's unbelievable. Week. And so 
obviously, Wilson, what you're talking about, if there was someone who did not watch this game, uh, was when the Bengals drove straight down to the Ravens' two-yard line in the third quarter. They were trailing 13-10. to They scored a touchdown. They go up 17-13. Guess what? Justin Tucker can't beat you when you're up by four because <laughs> the Ravens have to get a touchdown. So what do they do? Uh, well, let's see. Here's what I would do. Maybe give Joe Mixon the ball at least once. He's averaging 5.6 yards per carry in this game. At least let him touch the ball. They did not do that. Instead, they ran like the dumb version of the Philly special, which went for. Well, well first they had, um, they tried to do run a, a like a, what was basically OPI and tried to run like a wide receiver screen pass, which was kind of cute. To and by the Hayden, way, the- Hayden Hurst, not even to a wide receiver. Right. To Hayden Hurst, who, by the way, did have a good game. But like, if <laughs> I'm throwing receiver, that pass, yeah. I'm probably throwing it to Jamar Chase. Uh, so that fails. Then the the Cincinnati special, which clearly is not special at all, the opposite of special. They lose twelve yards. It's uh, like the uh, rare Tyler Boyd sack. It's the uh, what's this chili called? Skyline. It's a Skyline Chili Special, is what that was. Skyline it's Chili Special. Straight up dog dookie. Half, yeah, half the country hates Skyline. Chili Tastes special. awful. Looks worse, and it just feels like somebody <laughs> pooped their pants. Everyone, you know what the worst case. <laughs> <laughs> the worst case scenario was after he got sacked for the 12 yard loss. It was, I, I was thinking, I hope they run the ball for five yards and kick the field goal. No, the worst case scenario happened, which was a 12 yard gain back to the two yard line to give Zach Taylor another chance to call a perplexing play. Hold and on. Let he, me ask you. Then, hold on. Before the perplexing, perplexing play on, on fourth down at the two yard line at that point where you're like, okay, he's definitely going to run the ball now. Or, or did you know? I mean, fourth and two, I I thought he was going to run it on first or second down. Um, Fourth is a little more open. I thought maybe he would just drop Joe back and let Burrow figure out somewhere to send the ball. Not like have it going to a called spot. Uh, I was not expecting to see a run on that play. I'll put it that. I also was not expecting to see the most horribly executed shovel pass in the history, this is this is like they stole out of Andy Reid's playbook. That's the Patrick Mahomes play. It worked for the Chiefs. Doesn't work for the Bengals. Uh, the Ravens snuffed it out. It never had a chance. And after that failed, it was just like I'd already resigned myself to a loss, even though they did come back and take the lead. But it was just that whole sequence just blew my mind. And if they get any points there, they probably win this game. They, they, just they three, probably win. That's literally right. anything. Uh, and they got zero. You can't go down to a team's two yard line and get zero. So you mentioned the shovel pass get close down there too and get zero. No, they got three. Um, they took a delayed game at the one instead of going for it. We can talk about that in a second. But the the play that Breach mentioned, the shovel pass that never had a chance in hell of working. After that play, Leo Collins, the right tackle who appeared to miss an assignment, perhaps uh, sprinted to the sidelines. Didn't stop running when Zach Taylor wanted a word with him. You can actually do the old read li- uh, lip reading trick where he yells, Zach Taylor does stop, stop, and perhaps talks to him about it. And I thought this was sort of funny. So I, I look at the, the comments on Twitter, and uh, here's the responses as to why Lael didn't stop. Collins knows Taylor has no idea what he's doing. Uh, he's telling Taylor to get someone else to call plays. Uh, and, and this is sort of the takeaway. Like, you would think, okay, Lael messed up. Maybe he should listen to his coach. But Lael... He ain't slowing up for Zach Taylor because he's probably frustrated. And BMAC talked about this in HQ, our buddy Brian McFadden, you played for the Steelers, won two Super Bowls. If you're on defense, if you're the Bengals defense sitting on the sidelines watching Zach Taylor dial up these idiotic plays one after the next that don't involve Joe Mixon, especially after Joe Mixon got going and actually it probably had his best game of the season in the second half, I, I think you might agree, Breach. You're probably pretty angry. You're, you're angry for a lot of reasons, and most of them are, are targeted at your head coach who just uh, appeared to lose all sense of reality uh, on that drive in particular, which was, by the way, 15 plays, eight minutes, zero points. 
And and by the way, to add to that, you mentioning the defense would probably be frustrated is that the defense had played lights out until that point. Uh, yeah. And the second half started with them making a fourth down stop, um, which was obviously huge. They had an interception in the first half, which really kind of sparked the Bengals because they were down 10 to nothing at that point. And the Ravens looked like they were going to drive and take a 17 nothing lead. And this thing was just going to be a blowout. Uh, but then Bod Bell had that interception. So they came up with some huge plays. And then it literally flipped the script after uh, that fourth down stop. And the Ravens kind of had the spark and it was just, it never felt like, I, I will tell you, I absolutely thought the Ravens were going to go down and kick a field goal on that last drive. No, I think everyone knew that. Like I wasn't even worried. Like I, I say it all the time and I'll ask you guys again. If you know that Justin Tucker is going to be Justin Tucker and you have the 23rd pick in the, in the first round of a draft, why wouldn't you take him? I mean, would you trade a first-round pick for Justin Tucker if you were picking in the 20 through 32? Yes. I think a lot of people would. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's such a weapon. The thing is, how many kickers outdoors in Baltimore uh, can go out there and just drill a 58-yard field goal? I mean, that kick was so huge. Good from 61 per the stats. Tucker By the way, hands up the, like, this is this is natural, guys. Yeah. He, uh, a couple, couple of Tucker stats. Um Justin Tucker's uh, so since 2016, Tucker has added plus 201 percent in win probability on lead changing kicks, more than double the next closest kicker, Matt Persia, 83.9. That's via next gen stats. And then this is amazing from um, Michael Lopez at Stats by Lopez on Twitter, who works in the NFL stat department, using next gen stats ball tracking data. And by the way, if we can track balls in the air, why don't why aren't we doing this with like all? The football yeah, Evan McPherson missed that extra point for tracking balls in the air, but go ahead. <laughs> Justin Tucker's game winning field goal crossed the upright with a Y coordinate width of the field of 26.52. The exact middle of the field is Y equals 26.7, 26.67, excuse me. That is, if the uprights were half a yard wide, the kick would have still been good. That is crazy from 43 yards in the middle of the field to just, I mean, just the, completely striped it. And by the way, in that 58-yarder, where afterwards he celebrated like he was, in fact, the ruler of the free world, you know, typically you Which might like, you know what? Yeah, you might be like, you know what? Karma's going to get you, Justin Tucker. I was like, I stood up and applauded that man. As a Steelers homer, where Justin Tucker has ruined many a Sunday for me, he is so good. And on top of that breach, he can sing opera in seven languages. Well, and the only thing is, like, once he's out there, it's game over. All you can root for is a bad snap or just the, the hold slips out of the holder's hands. Because once the snap's in the air and it looks good, you're just like, all right, well, I can just turn the TV off. I don't need to watch the kick because I know what's going to happen. Did you it's watch a, it? It's also like insane just how clutch he is too. Like, I mean, he, I mean, you know, not only does he make all these kicks, but he's, you know, he's, he's, I mean, he's probably the greatest kicker of all time. Oh, easy. And, yeah. and, you know, like they showed the stats I don't have in front of me, but the, he hasn't missed a fourth quarter field goal in several years. Like it's in, it doesn't get any more clutch than that. Your, your kicker is not missing in fourth quarter or overtime. So you just have total and complete confidence in him. And so, uh, I mean, if you're the Ravens though, this is going to sound crazy, but I feel like the Ravens needed this win more than the Bengals. Yeah, no, here's the thing. And by the way, I, let me, before I answer the question, let me just briefly mention that I am the Zach Taylor of this podcast because I was watching the Breach and Brinson halftime show wondering, like, where are the, where are the commenters? Like, why are they in the chat? And uh, I wasn't on the live stream. I just figured out that I was looking at the wrong thing on the YouTube. So I, I have that figured out. So, uh, again, Zach Taylor, myself on that one. Uh, as for the Ravens, this being a huge win for them, the previous five, Home games, all losses, all by four points or less, all by the combined 12 points. And this looked to be going down that road. Um, Breach, I don't want to say that 
Zach Taylor messed up the end of the game when they scored with 158 to go. But could they have just come up a little short on that first down run, or were we just like let Joe Burrow score and we'll worry about the repercussions later? Yeah, you got to get the touchdown because you need a touchdown. If you only need a field goal, maybe you can play a little more safely and try and run out the clock. But you just got stopped when you were down there before, and so I, you have to get the touchdown. Like if you're, if you're going for a touchdown, I'm fine with them getting the touchdown. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah you'd just, like to burn a little more clock off, but I mean at the same time. But given how the previous. 15 play drive win. I understand why you like, you know what? Let's just let Joe Burrow run it and have the tight end push. And, and 15 play eight minute drive. They got zero points. Well, that is debilitating for an offense. To that point real quick is that the Ravens did have all three of their timeouts left. So we, you know, if the Bengals don't score on that first play down there, they're probably calling a timeout there. Right. Right. That's a good point. Um, the, uh, as you can see on the graphic, if you're watching on YouTube, youtube.com slash pick six, smash the like button. If you are uh, the Bengals, uh, two and zero against the Ravens, Last year, dropped 41 points per game. Lamar didn't uh, play the full game in either one of them um, but uh, and missed one entire game. But held, they held the Bengals to 17 points. I think like that's the other takeaway here is that the defense played well and it deserves credit for stepping up in some big spots and, and limiting the Bengals, you know, primarily limiting the Bengals. The, the Ravens' offense wasn't as explosive as it could have been. L- Lamar missed like two easy touchdown throws. And, and one of them on fourth down. Oh my god! Fourth and two. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. The fourth down that they went for it. Was there a the beginning of the first, the second half? Was there a flag there? I don't think so. I think I just uh, turned over on downs. But I will say this: oh, uh, yeah, they took a deep shot, but they weren't in the yeah. That's right. But they weren't down by the goal line. I'll say this: like to start the game, the Bengals had no answers, none on either side of the ball. They were getting housed on both sides of the ball, and then the first, let's see, first three drives for the Ravens were field goal, punt, touchdown. And then Lamar throws a terrible interception. Von Bell, right place, right time. I think he has three picks in two games now. Um, prior to that, the the Bengals offense, four series. Let's see, nine plus four is 13 plays, four punts. And then something clicked. The offense, the offensive line started making a push. The running game started picking up in the middle of the second quarter when that interception happened. And then it looked like two evenly matched teams. But until that point, that felt like an inflection point in terms of the, the Bengals finally waking up. But, you know, Zach Taylor, Zach tailored it up. And I think while he's not solely responsible, I put a, a more than half the, the blame on him in terms of this outcome. I mean, it's crazy, though, because you, I, I think you look at Zach Taylor and you watch him coach and, and you do think his breach point. Like we ask every time, like, <laughs> like is he a good coach? And the answer is no. He's just going to win enough games where he's just not going to get like there's you know, he went to the Super well, Bowl last year. He's not like he's not he even won, on the hot seat. What did he win like two and three games to start his first two seasons? Yeah, I mean, he was on the hot seat, then went to the Super Bowl. I mean, that buys you a ton of time. A lot of coaches don't get that that far down the road. I'm also not complaining like I want him out. Let me be clear about that. I just think that it's up and down. It is a yo-yo every week, and I don't know how that's possible. Is he Some a good week? coach, Breach? Sometimes, yes. That's he what I'm saying. Know. That's the thing. what. Bro, what are you talking about, man? I'm with Westbrook. I don't. He's not a good coach. It is like a cross between uh, Sean McVay, Dave Shula. Thank you. Okay. Rich Kotite. Thank you. Okay. And Kyle Shanahan. No. And so and it's like all boiled together. And without has- the Kyle Shanahan and the Sean McVay. Oh God! No God! Please no! <laughs> I can never have enough Michael Scott. Brinson, let me ask you because the breach is obviously drunk on Bengals shoes rank the head coaches from first to to fourth in the, in that division, the AFC North. In the AFC North, I will say I, I I personally prefer 
Harbaugh to Tomlin, but they're very close. Um, Who's third? I mean, probably. I, I think it's like one A, one B, and then three. It's like twelve A, twelve B. I think that's exactly. I think it's exactly right. And, and I would, I would take Stavansky over over Taylor, but I don't I think Stavansky. it's two Spider Man gifts, one at the top and one at the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, Spider Man. Yeah, I mean, like Tom and Harbaugh clearly substantially better coaches than the other two. Um, Brief, Taylor, you I, try? Think, I mean, I just think like Joe Burrow is the reason that Zach Taylor, like Joe Burrow, overcomes a lot of mistakes that Zach Taylor 100%. makes, and that's probably going to hamper you in the long haul and, and that should be concerning all right, all right. let's let me ask uh, breach real quick can you rank you in a rank on breach you want to put zach taylor first or not uh i do not want to rank him but i do want to say what that this is what it's like to be a Bengals fan yeah they okay, have three cool. losses this year all three of them have come on walk-off field goals as time expired steelers that's... week one cowboys week two ravens tonight well that's say, it's Sounds like a coach. I have I have Zach Taylor ahead at Kevin Stefanski. There you By go. By the way, the final here. word is from Sam Bruce Smith in the comments. Joe Burrow is a good coach. I think that that's fitting. All right. I'm so. putting Zach Taylor third. I'm putting Harbaugh first, and I'm putting Tomlin second. And you know what? I've had some Steeler fan friends uh, text me the past week or two and say they're kind of uh, over Tomlin. Uh, jokes on you. you don't <laughs> have to right, we got we got other games to talk about. Chargers at the Browns. <laughs> Chargers thirty, Browns twenty eight. Oh, Speaking God. of game management and fourth down decision oh making. Staley, Brandon Staley, the Chargers coach, went for it on fourth and one on the Chargers 46 oh with 114 left and the Browns holding zero timeouts and a three-point lead. The Browns get the ball back. They don't have to go very far. They don't go very far. Sets up a 54-yard field goal that, that they, I think, just missed, right? It was like a little wide left. Yeah, but it was a long kick, and it, it, I, I felt pretty early on, like halfway through the kick, I, th- I felt like it wasn't going to go through. Uh, initial reaction without knowing anything else, was that a good idea by Brandon Staley? Uh, no. Breach? I mean, that's a fireable offense. If they lose that game, you don't even let them on the plane. You just send them home and say, hey, man, your your analytics have gotten a little too crazy. It's not even analytics anymore. You're just making up your own stuff. No one goes for it in that situation. But here, here's the thing for me, and we talked about this. Brandon Staley has been incredibly wishy-washy this season about when he goes for it and when he doesn't. It's unclear as to why, whether he's listening to, to the media or the fans or maybe the GM or the owner. I don't know. I didn't care that he went for it on the on the on the um on that particular play. And the fourth down bot by Ben Baldwin said you absolutely should go for it there. Your winning percentage goes to 88%, a plus 11, 11.7 winning percentage if, if you go for it. But here's the thing. So it's 88% if you go for it. If you punt, it's 76%. So then the question becomes, and we talk about no timeouts, all that. Is there a discernible difference between 88 and 76% with <clears throat> how much time was left? A 113 to go. And I... I understand why you would punt it. Now, if you're playing the Bills or the Chargers, excuse me, uh, uh, the, the Chiefs, I think you punt it. But you know how that's going to end because they have Josh Allen and, and Patrick Mahomes. So I don't, I don't hate that they did it. In terms of the the most fireable offenses, I think the the one that sticks out, of course, is the last last year in the play, another uh, playoffs. Uh, was it the Bengals game where they went for it in their own end at the 13 yard line or whatever that was breach? What, what no, it was against that was against the Raiders in week 18 to see who made the playoffs. Oh, okay. And he went for it from his own 19. That was worse than this for me. The math said you should go for it, but also the difference is 88% versus 76%. So I understand why you would say kick it. But when you have you, the Browns have Cade, you work on the other side. So they're essentially in field goal range if you don't get it. it you know, if they don't get yards, it's a 64 yarder. And then if they get and the chances of making a field goal go up like Five percent, six percent, seven percent with every yard they gain from yeah. there, and the fact that the Browns got to the thirty-five or thirty-six or wherever they got, and and, and just 
made this completely dramatic. Uh, it was just, it was an interesting call. Well, you guys both hated it. So, I mean, they, I think the Browns had only scored seven points on the entire, in the entire second half. And so like the, the chargers had kind of locked him down on, on, on defense in that second half. I mean, I mean they did have two long drives, one in an, in in, in Two long drives and one ended in an interception by Jim. In, so, in the end zone. In the end zone. Yeah. So maybe, I mean, maybe that's the thought process too is like, we haven't been slowing these guys down. Austin Eckler is lighting us up. You know, if I give them, if I give Justin Herbert and these guys a minute and 15 to, to get into field goal range, like, I, like, I, like, I understand the logic behind going for it there. I, mean, I don't, I mean, right. I, you're right. I mean, it's, it's, you, there's two options here. Either you get it. And you win easy. They don't have any timeouts. The game is over. It's essentially over. Yeah. Or you don't get it, and they're already in field goal range. And you're. It's not like it's three point game where a field goal ties it. A three point. A field goal. You lose. Yeah. I mean, it's if if Staley had been consistent as as Wilson points out throughout the season, then I would I would be a little I would be more fine with it. But it's like, and you know, look again. We we acknowledge you have to you have to. Think about the flow of the game and how that's operating. So if you don't feel like your defense can stop, if you don't feel like your defense can stop the Browns from moving the ball, then, you know, I mean, go for it and, and try and close out the game. It was a high-scoring game, tons of points. Um, Austin Eckler had uh, – oh, excuse me. Did I say Eckler? I didn't mean Eckler. Uh, uh, Nick Chubb is who I was thinking of. Oh, yeah. You mentioned Eckler had a good game too, though. Eckler yeah. had a great game. He had a career high in rushing yards, but he, he doesn't play for the Browns. He plays for the Chargers. Uh, Nick Chubb and Nick Chubb had 17 carries, 134 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Jacoby Brissett had a fine game, 21 to 34, 230, a touchdown in the pick, but some bad moments uh, in there. I mean, that's the other thing, too, is like the Browns oh, primarily primarily did their damage in the run game. Which Here, we let me mention quickly, because uh, I, I saw Kevin Stefanski's name trending. I didn't see this play live, but I'm looking through the, the play sheet right now. So it's uh, fourth and one from the Cleveland 34 in the third quarter, midway through the third quarter. And much like our buddy Zach Taylor, who refuses to use his best player, that lines up behind the quarterback on fourth and one Nick Chubb wasn't in, wasn't in the game. Uh, it went to Kareem hunt and Kareem hunt gained needing one yard gained a minus four yards and fans predictably um, went crazy because this is a recurring theme with Kevin Stefanski and also Zach Taylor And it again, boggles the mind. Why? When you have Nick Chubb as Brinson, as you note, who goes ham every single week, who averaged 7.9 yards per carry. What are you doing? As I like to say to my 15-year-old, what are you doing? And I don't know. It's it just like BMAC made this point as well, and I think it's a good point. He was talking specifically about Brandon Staley, but he said uh, that situation we, we just mentioned earlier. But he said Dick LeBeau, the Hall of Fame, uh, Hall of Famer and defensive coordinator a long time for the Steelers and former Bengals head coach, said that the thing with offensive coordinators is they're all about ego. It's not necessarily what you should do. It's what we want to do. And I think – that's been on full display this season. It feels like more than than a typical season, and, and I think Kevin Stefanski. It seems like he does it every every week, perhaps more than Zach Taylor. But anyway, the the Bengals, uh, the, excuse me, the Browns fans were were fired up about this, understandably so. If I don't know why you wouldn't use your best player, but again, that's a question for for Kevin Stefanski, and maybe he was asked about it. And I'll, I'll see if I can find it. Uh, by the way, the uh, the ESPN model um, that Seth Walter puts out. Uh, also agreed with the idea that they should go for it. 84, 84.1% win percentage if you go, 789 if you Well, want. let me ask you, that's the thing, though. 74 versus 89, that that or excuse me, whatever, uh, 89 versus seven, uh, 84 versus 79. It feels close enough where at that point in the game with 73 seconds to go, 
you, you punt it. But I, I, I didn't, I didn't mind them going for it live when it happened. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a. Look, these are close calls. These are the. This is why it's a game of inches. This is why the the margins are thin, and this is why football games are uh, very often decided by, you know, a, a like a couple of feet in terms of where a guy kicks the football. You know, from fifty four yards or whatever. Uh, in fifty four, you know, like. Yes. See, that's the other thing too. Is like Cleveland had a minute fourteen with no timeouts, incomplete pass short middle to Mari Cooper, cream, ta- cream hunt left tackle for no gain, which was at the 35. Then Jacoby Brissett deep pass incomplete, another incompletion. And then they had to try the 54 yard field goal. Like, I mean, if you knew that's how Cleveland was going to call plays, you definitely punt it and make them drive like a lengthy period, like a lengthy part well, of the field. Look, man, Brandon Staley has been watching Kevin's fancy just like the rest of us. So maybe that's played into his decision to go for it, where he's been pretty conservative through the first month of the season. I know, just don't so think they, I think if you punt that they're not going to get enough yardage to get in field goal range. Yeah, that's true too. That's, that's yeah. sort of my thinking. And like, I will not push back on that. And, and, they, and like, they, again, they got all their, we knew they were going to get, they, we knew they were going to succeed in the run game on Sunday against the, the chargers. Cause you can just run on the chargers and, and you're just not gonna be able to run in that spot with a minute 14 left. Like, yeah. You, Patrick yeah. Seeley in the comments basically says what you said. They're playing a, a, a bad passing team with no timeouts. It was a terrible call. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, uh, that passing complete may have been a spike, actually. Um, all right. Anything else from this game? Um, the Browns blew a fourteen nothing lead. That that like got overshadowed by everything else. They were up. Cool. They got two touchdowns early. Yeah, yeah, you know we talk about sacking wins for Deshaun Watson when he comes back after week eleven. They they've done a terrible job of that in recent weeks. After uh, you know the Steelers game that was fool's gold, it turns out. But this is a big win for the Chargers who. You know, still appear to be finding themselves, but but they'll take it. Eckler had 173 rushing yards. I don't know if you mentioned that already, Prince. And, um, Char- uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it was career high. Chargers going 2-0 since uh, Rashawn Slater went down is massive. Although Trey Pipkins got hurt. I, I can't remember if he came back in. Uh, he'd been playing well for, for them on the offensive line. And so, like, if they continue to mount up offensive line injuries, it's going to be tough to succeed. Yeah, Jamar Sawyer, left tackle, has done well. The, the rookie out of Georgia. Um, so, day three guy. Good for him. Yep. All right. Next game. What's next? Saints 39, Seahawks 32. Seahawks have given up 27-plus points in four straight games for the first time since 2006. Oh, by the way, one more point on the uh, the, the Browns and the Chargers. Justin Herbert is 2-14 and 14 when trailing by 14-plus points, and both of his wins are against the Browns. Oh, my God. Yeah. Taysom Hill, nine carries, 112 yards, three rushing touchdowns, and one passing touchdown. Just the second Saints player with that with three rushing touchdowns and one passing touchdown in the game since Archie Manning in 1971. Nice. The Archer? Geno Smith's last three games, 71. Hold on, quickly, let, let me tell Breach. Breach, you know that me and Brinson at the Arizona Super Bowl while you were in, in Las Vegas? Las Vegas. With Jamie Erdahl, I always like to point out your careers diverged quickly after that <laughs> Super Bowl. So- <laughs> We interviewed Archie Manning on set. She's like doing like what? He was a he he talked to Archie. Did he talk about this game? No, but Archie liked us. He was a great guy. He didn't like you. Pretend to like you. I'll take it. Anyway, go ahead. I just want to bring that. I wanted to rub it in Breach's face that he. Geno Smith, seventy-two percent completion percentage, thirty-four point three points per game for the team, three hundred four point three passing yards per game, seven touchdowns, one interception in his last three games. The man is on fire. From now on. Until he starts playing like old school Geno Smith, we have to refer to him as Eugene Cyril Smith the third because he is he has earned it. He is miles better than Russ Wilson. 
I mean, he's been substantially better than Russell Wilson this year. He's season. one of the three or four best quarterbacks in the NFL, according to the advanced metrics, football outsiders. And he was throwing lasers out there today on Sunday afternoon. But, you know, he couldn't overcome Andy Dalton. By Andy Dalton, I mean Taysom Hill. Yeah, or the Seahawks defense. Um, Alvin Kamara went nuts to 23 carries, 103 yards, six catches, 91 yards. Uh, Taysom Hill just was – I mean, the, C- uh, the Seahawks overs are just bets moving forward. Like, R.J. White had this one. I was saying, like, that maybe you go to the Lions, but, like, the Patriots felt like a, a, a weird spot. I mean, this the Seahawks are just giving up tons of points and are scoring tons of points. And they don't care who they're playing. Like, this, this Saints team – you know, looked more competent with Andy Dalton under center last week, but you know we didn't necessarily think it would be a good defense. I mean, a good offense. Like you know, they lit up the Seahawks; they were scoring every which way. Jason Hill going crazy. Um, you see that just the hundred rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns, and a passing touchdown since 1950. It's only happened three times: one Sunday with Taysom Hill, 2008 Ronnie Brown at New England. I guess that was the Wildcat year, and then Wildcat 2005 yeah. Ladanian Tomlinson obviously ran in and then threw a you know threw. It was I remember the pass. He's like. It was like a um, a pitch halfback toss little pass. I think he threw. Oh, look at you with the memory. Yeah. Uh, also, want to point out that Chris Olave had four catches for fifty four yards. He got body slammed in that game, or sort of hip tossed. Um, I can't remember who did it. Uh, oh, Kobe Bryant, the 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 rookie out of Cincinnati, the cornerback, and he 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 was knocked out. Dude, and they're gonna they're gonna have to change the hip toss. They're gonna make a hip toss rule this offseason. Whoa, whoa, whoa! That's not that's not really what happened. I mean, it was in the end zone. It was in the back corner of the end zone, and they were both trying to make a play for the ball. It was a and, head toss. No, no, it was on the it was the middle field when he he, he like, No, no, it was it was in the end zone. No, it was, it was in the end was. zone, and then they a, reviewed the play. They called it incomplete. And they reviewed it and called it a touchdown. That's right. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, because I, like, I don't know that there was like any. Uh, like you're trying to stop a touchdown, you know. There's, I don't think that. Oh, I. But it was a hip toss, right? Yeah. Well, he caught the ball and he they hit toss him down to the ground. Yeah. And he, when he his hit, helmet hit the ground first, he lost con- total control of the ball. It dropped out and fell. I think that like. Um, but and of course it was a clean play. Nobody's questioning the the like whether it was a, a bad illegal hit. I'm just saying that I think given the and uh, we'll talk about this more. We got a couple of games we'll mention, but like given the concussion situations that's been popping up, but like with these hip tosses, because when you do the hip toss, it is like you hit your shoulder and then you bounce down. Um, I, I just wouldn't be surprised if they made some kind of tweak. And you know, well, like, they they made a tweak in the Bucks game. We'll talk about that later. I don't know if you can. I mean, it's tackle football, and I'm glad that Chris Olave was able to walk off the field. I'm also glad that they didn't let him go back in. And I think that it's insane to me that it took Tua, you know, what felt like almost dying for them to have to change the rule that everyone knew was stupid to start with. Uh, I don't need to rehash that, but I'm glad that Chris Olave, they said, we're going to rehash it after the break. Well, and this game had a couple interesting reviews. It wasn't just the Olave one that was called incomplete on the field. I thought that was a fine call though. I I didn't, I didn't, I thought it was a touchdown. Did you not? I I mean, I, I would have gone with whatever was called on the field. Like I, if they had called the touchdown originally, I would have been fine with that. Uh, but yeah, but you're in the overturned. end zone. But then they also had a review on a DK Metcalf fumble uh, that I think was not originally called a fumble, and then they reviewed it and said it was a fumble. Or anyway, the Saints got the ball, so the Seahawks got the short of the stick on both of those reviews. And then there was a crazy play involving Michael Dixon, the punter. Oh yeah, was what was he to, doing? He was supposed to roll out and punt it, which we see punters do nowadays. Uh, I'm not sure why. Pete Carroll would have Dixon do that. But anyway, so I guess he stumbled, kind of lost the ball and just got tackled. And so instead of getting off a huge punt, the the Saints took over at the Seahawks 13-yard line because Dixon didn't get the punt off. And then they scored a touchdown. And, you know, you win by a touchdown. That ended up being a huge, huge uh, part of this game. So I don't know what Dixon was doing. I, I had him ranked number one on my 
punter rankings. I'm going to have to drop him just for this play. My goodness. Let me ask you guys this. If Geno Smith were the quarterback for the Denver Broncos, and let's say the play caller wasn't Nathaniel Hackett, but, but someone not crazy, what would the Broncos' record be? Three and two. It'd be better without question, right? Like no one's saying that it would be the same or worse. Like it's impossible, right? Yeah, it would not be worse. I think it would be better. 1.5 games better, according to Wentz over Wilson. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was just watching the play again. I think that like it I think if he hadn't like gotten concussed, he would have well, he would have held on to it one. But I feel like if he hadn't hit his head, I don't know that they rule it a touchdown. Like he'd lose his control. I mean uh, survive the ground, right? Yeah, I don't know. It was close. Maybe Breach yeah. is right. Maybe you stick with what you what you call. But once you're in the end zone, did he have two steps? Did it feel like or not? No, he, I didn't feel like he had a football move. Okay. Yeah, then I don't know why they overturned it. I thought maybe it was two steps and he was over. No, he got multiple steps and then he was thrown down and then he sort of lost it. I okay. Just, yeah, it's, I mean, it's like, it's just very clear. Like his helmet hits the head and then that's, I, I like the idea that if that is to, if like, if your helmet hits the head and you lose cognitive function there, like, like you know, if you if you if you've survived the fall up until your helmet hits the the turf, I don't I don't I don't mind that being ruled a touchdown. I know I don't know. No, that's it's the, not a t- it's not a touchdown. I mean, just because you're concussed doesn't. I'm just mean, I'm just I mean, I mean you know what I'm saying, but like you can you can you can tell when it happens. Um, yeah, that was quite clear, of course. Yep. Can't wait till Andy Dalton leads the Saints to the playoffs. Just All right. To- well, get comfortable. Get a nice chair. Um. Okay. Moving on. We will. Uh, Does this say anything about the Saints, though? In that division, that's pretty terrible. I don't. I don't, I don't think it says a ton. I like. I mean, this like the Saints team. I just think the Seahawks are so bad on defense that it, it does. It, like, I don't. I don't want to read too much into the Saints. Like posting a ton of points in this game. The, like, the Seahawks are so bad on defense that the Steelers could score twenty points on them. Ouch! How rude! All right, let's take a break, and when we come back, we will talk about the Steelers. And their terrible game against the Bills next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The Bills, 38, Steelers, I skipped over the Eagles Cardinals, so we're going to well, you want to talk to the Bills? You want to talk to Eagles Cardinals? Do Eagles Cardinals because I know Billy, he was all ramped up to go. You don't want to hurt his feelings. Eagles 30, Cardinals. B- Billy's wearing 17. his Kyler Murray lime green grandma seat right now. So please talk about the Eagles Cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Philly with another victory. They moved to 5 and 0, oh, winning on the road in Arizona. They don't cover. Arizona was plus five in this game. Um, pretty 
solid game from Jalen Hurts, who ran 15 times for 61 yards and two touchdowns, 26 to 36 for 239. Dallas Goddard led the way with 95 receiving yards. Not, 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 nothing from A.J. Brown. Uh, and then Marquise Brown had a nice game for Arizona. 10, catch, 10 targets, 8 catches, 78 yards, and a touchdown. Um, not really – like it was a close game, but it was not exactly a thrilling game. No, the um... – let me see. The what was it? they were up fourteen nothing. Is that right? Let me check real quick. Yes, the Eagles yes. were up fourteen nothing. And again, we talk about this every freaking week with this Cardinals team. They've been outscored thirty eight zero in the first quarter of the season. They don't have a single first quarter point this year. I didn't see what Cliff Kingsbury said after the game, but I can imagine based on previous week's comments, uh, we got to be better prepared during the week to to be able to come out and start fast. Well, they haven't done it yet, and that again goes to the incredibly handsome head coach who doesn't appear to be a very good coach. So, you know, Kyler Murray was despondent after the game when he spoke with the media, whatever, I get it. And I, I think if you're the Eagles, the takeaway is that you're finding new and not necessarily sexy ways to win football games, and that's incredibly important as you go through this because you're going to come up against some situations where things aren't going your way and you find ways to fight back. Last week they were down 14-0 to the Jaguars at home in that mud bowl. They won that game. Uh, this week was different. They were up. And then the Cardinals, as they like to do, made their comeback in the second half, and then they were able to stave that off. Jalen Hurts continues to be a beast as a running back. He, as uh, I don't mean that in a bad way, he had had two rushing touchdowns, sixty-one yards, led the team uh, in rushing. And by the way, Jalen Hurts seven career games with two or more rushing touchdowns. Second is tied for second most all time in NFL history. Uh, Cam Newton has ten, the most in one hundred forty-eight career games. Hertz has seven in thirty-five career games. That is like he might be the he might he could be the greatest rushing quarterback of all time. Like, which I didn't think would be possible. I didn't think we'd see anything remotely close to that uh, after Cam Newton. I've said this before, and, and I'll, I'll keep repeating it. Uh, I remember during the draft when Jalen came out, I was talking to um, an offensive line coach in the NFL, and he said that Jalen Hurts might be the best running back in in the Big Ten, the the Big Twelve at the time. Yeah. When he's in Oklahoma, and he didn't mean that in a bad way. He just meant that he is so good at what he does, and that certainly translated um, this season for for the Eagles. Yeah, good well, I think the crazy thing is like he's not as fast as Lamar Jackson or Michael Vick. He doesn't have Cam Newton's size, so you're thinking, can he take these hits? Can he outrun the defense like Lamar can? And so I think it just kind of snuck up on everyone that he was going to be, you know, like we could see he could run, but the numbers he's put up are he's really. Thick. Amazing, yeah, and he. How do you you spell that? It's deceptive. How Uh, however however the kids spell it. T H I C C. Is that right, Billy? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Billy's a kid. Billy the kid. Is that going to call him? Uh, Billy, do you want to weigh in on the Eagles while I fill my glass back up? Yeah, sure. I have no issues. You you took off the Kyler. You cut the Kyler suit. What's up? I never had the Kyler suit on. Never. <laughs> he must have been going to church, though. I mean, right. I think he, I think he did need some church today, uh, especially for that 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 blunder that he had at the end of the game, just not knowing where he was on the field, uh, which kind of is the only reason why we won the game because the Cardinals were able to move the ball on this Eagles defense, which was kind of alarming. Uh, and I mean, we had this issue last year with Jonathan Gannon. I, I just don't understand why he wants to run that cover two shell all day, every day and, and think that that's okay with a team moving the ball. Like, I guess in this case it worked out for him, but it doesn't know, like we saw last year, it doesn't always work out. 
So I just feel like I, I need him to like earlier this year, he mixed up his his looks. He mixed up his defenses. He started blitzing earlier in games, which he wasn't doing last year. He didn't do that in this game. And I don't know why he didn't do that. I guess he was scared of the mobility of Kyler Murray. But I know all Eagles fans are frustrated with the fact that he just keeps running this show. We just need him to be way more aggressive because if we play a better team and a better quarterback who understands the moment of the game, we lose that game. It's funny you mentioned that. Um, you probably know this, but if you if you don't, and you're an Eagles fan, or you just like to learn about the game, uh, the Honest NFL uh, on Twitter. This guy's a. I don't know if he worked for the Eagles at one point, but he worked in the league and he he talks a lot about the Eagles and he tweeted out during the game. He's incredibly smart, incredibly insightful. I actually learned a lot just reading his Twitter feed, which you can really say about anything on Twitter. But he mentioned during the game, he said games like this are good examples of how coaching staff can win and lose games. They're failing their players miserably on both sides. No adjustments, no changes to the approach, and and they don't seem worried about it. They'll say it's all down to, to the execution, and it is to a point, but the coaches failed, which is basically what you sort of said there, Billy, and I, I thought that was interesting because that was the first time all season you've heard that about the coaching staff, uh, it, at least beyond sort of you know Eagles fans and, and sort of Eagles blogs and, and Twitter and, and whatever, uh, or maybe Twitter, uh, Eagle TikTok, if that's a thing. I don't know. Who, who is this who said, who said that? Sorry. Uh, the honest NFL on Twitter is like a fantastic. Oh, yeah, he's a, yeah, he's okay. a fantastic follow, and, and he was tweeting during the game about that. Typically, he's tweeting about X's and O's and things that are that are uh, sort of beyond my level of comprehension. But but that I certainly understood, and it sort of echoed what what Billy mentioned while you were getting your refill on your wine cooler there. I mean, it was also the rushing attack as well, which was just frustrating. It's like we abandoned it, and it's like we understand. Like we do have Devonte Smith out there. We do have AJ Brown who. I mean, had three catches for 30 yards in the first quarter and then never was targeted again the rest of the game. Like, that's an issue, especially when you're having trouble moving the ball. Why are you not targeting the guy that you just traded for and just paid a whole lot of uh, money for? Like, you you have him on the outside. Use him. And if you're not going to do that, then run the football. There's too many times where we're throwing the ball on three out, three out of the four downs. It just can't happen. Like those are just things. And I think Jalen was clearly frustrated with the offensive coordinator and Sirianni because I like, yeah, I think they were just too pass happy in this game. And he knew that our best bet was to run the football, which I think that's why they ran the football a little bit more in that last drive. Uh, a, a larger picture question for you, Billy, Brian J in the comments says, um, actually, well, let me find it where, Someone asked. I can't find who said it now, but I apologize. Oh, Brian J. Yeah, he said Hertz isn't close to Cam or Lamar. Um, where do you come down on that? Yeah, he's tripping. <laughs> he's tripping. He's I tripping. Mean, I think they're all. Well, I think Cam they're all was MVP. Different. Lamar was MVP. I, I think that's a that's a that's a high bar. I mean, uh, I understand I, what he's saying, but I, I is Jalen Hurts. An MVP candidate. I mean, we don't know. He could be after this year. He possibly could. He if the Eagles, if the Eagles do right not now. look, if the Eagles do not lose a game this whole year, I I don't see why Jalen Hurts does not get the MVP. I, I just, <laughs> he will. I, I just don't. I just, I, I just don't. Eagles, I'm just saying, like if the Eagles go. If the Eagles go 17 and 0, Jalen Hurts will get the MVP. And exactly. the Nick Sirianni will probably get coach of the year. Yeah, that's probably. That's yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, yes, probably. Yeah, I mean, Zach Taylor would like a word. Um, uh, you know, we should talk about though is the Kyler Murray play, yeah, and his lack of awareness and sliding what 10 inches short of a first down and then spiking it. If he just doesn't slide, 
he gets the full – the ball gets put down past the first down line. He gets a first down. You spike it. You have two or three plays to take a shot at the end zone or even gain a few more yards for a field goal. But he fell short, second and ten, gained nine yards, spiked it on third and one, stopped the clock because they didn't have any timeouts. And now it's fourth down, and you don't have a choice because you can't just, like, QB sneak it for a first down because you don't have any timeouts, and the clock will just keep running. And there's only, like, 22, 23 seconds left. And then the worst part is their normal kicker, Matt Prater, is out with an injury. So they have Matt Amendola in there. And literally, if you're watching this game on the broadcast, as Kyler Murray's getting ready to spike it, they're showing Matt Amendola's warm-up kicks from before the game. And they're like, this is his worst spot on the field. You put him on the left hash, he's going to miss it right. And they showed him miss like three kicks and warm-ups to the right. And then that's exactly what happened. So not only did you fall short, you put the kicker in the one spot he absolutely didn't want to be in, and then you lose. So, I mean, it was insane. Is there uh, a... Cliff Kingsbury explained this, by the way. He said, I was right there. I, he said it was his call. I thought he was clearly past the line to gain, and they brought it back. And by that time, he had committed to clocking at Kingsbury. He said, 22 seconds left. He ran there, didn't get it. We have a hurricane field goal with a new kicker. It was just past the point of no return. Uh, and, and according to Jimmy Kemsky, a uh, friend of the pod, and uh, and with uh, the Philly Choir, I believe, or Philly Voice, uh, the stadium down in distance said first and 10 on the third and one spike. So I think that Cardinals and, and Cliff and Kyler all believed they'd gotten the first down and then they realized it was third and one. I mean, Can Cliff you know, not see the field from where he's standing two feet from the field. But yeah, he's that's, looking pretty bad, that's more of an indictment on himself. Yes. He, you don't 100%. know what down it is at that point in the game or. If the like, chains don't move, how do you not know that it wasn't a first down? Like that's the whole my man was on tender. He wasn't even paying attention to the field. <laughs> if uh, I was, if you're trying to switch to no run and don't didn't get it, you're scrambling with 20 seconds left to get your kicker hurricane field goal going. We would have kicked the field mean, goal the, around the, that. the hurricane field goal. Hurricanes where you run out there with no timeout. So you have to get every the whole field goal nice. team has to be ready to run on the field. Love it, Breach. Thank you. I, I just I assumed it was like a chaos, like a chaos kick. What were we gonna uh, say, Billy? The risk reward no, wasn't but, good enough once we committed to clocking it. No, I was just wondering, uh, you know, why you guys thought that Kyler Murray didn't run as much in this game. They made like, I mean, I don't think I saw him scramble at all until probably the late third quarter, uh, fourth quarter going into the fourth quarter is like, were they scared of Kyler Murray getting hurt? Did they not trust him to make decisions while on the run? Why do you think that was the case? I have no idea. Like, I don't understand. I was going to ask the question, is this the worst team in that division? The Arizona Cardinals. I think the answer is yes. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Every time I bring it up, Breach points out that Cliff Kingsbury just signed a long-term deal. Kyler obviously signed a long-term deal. So I would assume that neither are going Anywhere, anytime Cardinals soon. Cardinals are not a franchise that fires their coaches and pays them extra money. I mean, the GM, head coach, and and, and quarterback all got massive all extensions this all season. Like they're not they're not going anywhere for like two or three years. And and to Billy's point, uh, Kyler Murray had 42 rushing yards in this game. 24 of those came on that final drive when it was mm-hmm. do or die, and he basically had to. So before that, within the Cardinals game plan. He only had 18, so he really wasn't looking to scramble for. I wonder if it. I wonder if it's a result of like the last few weeks where the offense has kind of been, "Hey, Kyler, do make magic beans with your legs." Total you know, chaos. What's that? Yeah, and like if they tried to Hurricane. sort of, well, if they sort tried to sort of like restrict the offense, make it like quicker reads, get the ball out faster, because the new Phillies defense would be coming at them. How'd that um, work? Hey, by the way, uh, it Matt worked Amendola, well. What's that? 
I said it worked well. Yeah. <laughs> that quick, that quick throws, that that all those quick, th- like it, it stagnated our whole pass rush. We couldn't, we couldn't yes, get a I pass rush. The whole I game. think that's probably what it was. Is they were worried the offensive line wouldn't hold up against the Philly pass rush. I would have liked to see either, like I'd like to see more design runs with Kyler, where you're like, because the thing about design runs, people talk about you know, rushing quarterbacks getting hurt and getting hit. When you do a designed run even with a smaller quarterback or a thinner quarterback, it's like you are still giving him the ability to see the field in the, in the, like he's going to, he's going to be less susceptible to like a randomized hit, like somebody coming from the backside, like that he won't know is coming because he knows it's a designed run. Like Cam didn't get hurt on designed runs, right? He got hit on, on, on sacks and on, you know, trying to scramble and make stuff happen. Um, I'm fine with Kyler running. I don't like your quarterback in general. Like I hate seeing Josh Allen run every time I see him. Like, Oh my God, please. By the way, uh, Matt Amendola, was cut by the Chiefs because he missed field goals and extra points, and that was the guy the Cardinals were like, we definitely need help to save our day. And Victor Garcia just mentioned in the comments next week, Kyler versus Eugene, Cyril, Smith the third, Seahawks it. by a billion. I think the over-under is... Victor uh, said Kyler versus Gino. He didn't use your name, his full name, Wilson. That's the only way I call you him. You going to ban him from the chat now? No. Hey, man, good luck Good luck to Kyler Murray. Uh, the new Call of Duty comes out October 28th, so... <laughs> I mean, the Cardinals season. Oh, Pick the Cardinals to lose in every game after that. Is that what you're saying? Should have yes. left it in the contract. I mean, that's the logic about it is like that they trail off in the second half because Kyle, I mean, maybe Cliff plays Call of Duty too. I mean, who knows? Um, he plays. All right. Next game. Bye, Billy. <laughs> He's already leaving. Bills 38, Steelers 3. Yikes. Wolf. The Bills are the worst Steelers loss since week one of 1989. Hold on. Don't say another word. Breach, you know what that loss was? Score wise, 1989 against who? I'll give you uh, 10 cents. Who? The Houston Oilers. Oh, that's a great guess. No, it's Cleveland Browns. What do you think? Oh, the Browns was? were actually going to be my second guess. The Browns was, were good that year. That, that was actually the last time they won the division. What was the score? Uh, was it Belichick? Oh, I don't know. Uh, oh, uh, so. 41, to, 41 to 7. 51 to nothing. Oh, my God. <laughs> So anyway, go ahead, Brinson. I just want to. Uh, Josh that. Allen's 348 yards in the first half is the second most since 2001. Mahomes 2020 uh, put up more against the Buccaneers. I mean, the Steelers. I believe um, uh, Mike Tom was asked about changing up uh, defensive players and like benching yeah. guys, and said anything's on the table. Uh, he was Pryor, also asked about coaching staff, and he said the same thing. Yeah, Brooke Pryor specifically asked about coaching staff. He said, "I'm not going to rule anything out." Uh, shout out Brooke Pryor, North Carolina. Um, not a friend of the pod. I don't think she's been on the pod, but we would, I would have her on the pod. Talk to you. There's love Brooke. Um, she told me she does not want to come on this podcast. Okay. So yeah, I mean the, like, where's your, where's your head at Wilson on? Um, I told our buddy Joe Musso this, uh, yeah, wait, one more good stat. Sorry. Yeah, 400 no, pass no. yards and four passing touchdowns versus the Steelers, including playoffs since 1950. Josh Allen on Sunday, Mahomes 20 last year, uh, Tom Brady, 2013 and Dan Marino, 84, only done four times. Yeah, there was a lot of a lot of reasons for uh, what's the opposite optimism uh, in this game for Steelers fan. I, I told Joe Musso this, our buddy, pessimism. Uh, pessimism, like you on HQ, and I, it might extend to breach too. I'd be interested to hear what he thinks. But when you know you have no chance in hell of competing, and not just this week, but any week, it sort of takes the pressure off as a fan. You're just like, okay, let's see the let's see the moral victories I can find uh, in the game within the game. Like, who does something? Like, who who kicks the ball into the end zone properly? Uh, who makes a fair catch and doesn't drop the football because they had a, a muff punt on the second drive? Um, so there was a lot of that going on. And I will say this: it was quite clear to me, and I wasn't huge on Kenny Pickett coming out in the draft in terms of him being a first round pick. I thought he was a second round pick. It is quite clear to me that Kenny Pickett is a really good football player. Oh. 
I give him a lot of credit. He sta- he stands in the pocket. He makes tough throw after tough throw. He had one interception, and I'm okay with that. He did a lot of really good things. A lot of the 327 yards were, were garbage yards at the end of the game, but he realized that George Pickens is a good player, so he threw the ball to him. Um, and he led the team in, in receiving. Deontay Johnson and Clay, uh, Chase Claypool, they need to start catching footballs. They, 13 targets, five catches for Deontay Johnson. He he had two. He made two spectacular catches where his foot went out of bounds on tough plays, and then he drops third and fourth down balls that hit him right in the hands. Chase Claypool plays like he's two feet shorter than Breach, and it's infuriating to watch. Uh, Pat Fryermuth was another player, uh, unfortunately, on the Sunday. He was concussed, and it was clear that he was concussed as soon as he got hit. He came out and didn't return, thankfully. Um, but but the, the moral victory for me is that Kenny Pickett is going to be pretty good. And I said all throughout the summer and early into the preseason that he is no Joe Burrow. He might end up being more Joe Burrow than we expected. Like he, he, and the takeaway, two things that I took away from this game from the Steelers. How about that fight? The fight when he got into that's one of them. So they got their ass thoroughly kicked without a question. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. It was an absolute whooping. And Tomlin basically admitted as much. I mean, anyone paying attention knew that, but two things that got to me in the second half one, um, Kenny Pickett scrambled and slid to the ground feet first. His knee was on the ground, and he got smoked by Damar Hamlin, his teammate from Pitt, as it turns out. No flag. No idea why it wasn't a flag. Gene Steratore, who works for CBS, said it should have been a flag. And James Daniel, the the what's he played, right guard, destroyed Hamlin, pushed him to the ground, Hamlin. And the fight ensued. No problem with that. That, to me, says that this team hasn't given up, even though they're they're one of the worst teams in football. And then the fight you're talking about late in the game, very late in the fourth quarter, where Shaq Lawson went low on Kenny Pickett as he's scrambling. And if his leg had come off during that tackle, I would not have been surprised. Somehow he avoided serious injury. And Kenny Pickett got up and went after Shaq Lawson. Again, no issue with that. No flag on Shaq Lawson. Kenny Pickett was flagged for unnecessary roughness wherever the flag was. And I, I sort of joked when I tweeted out that if that had happened to Tom Brady, the the – the perpetrator would have been fired into the sun without a trial sight unseen. So I appreciate the, the fieriness with which the Steelers played while they were getting their asses kicked. A lot of mistakes, but this isn't a team that that's given up. Like we saw last year, for example, with urban Myers Jaguars. Now they're a young football team. They're going to get, take their lumps this year, but that's encouraging to me. They're not a bunch of 32 year olds. They're a bunch of 22 and 23 year olds. And, and, that feels good. Now, it doesn't feel good with the way it went down with that Bills team where Josh Allen is a superhuman and potentially an alien, but um, I was pleasantly surprised with, with Kenny Pickett's performance. How did you feel about Mike Tomlin attempting field goals and then having it totally backfire because Chris Boswell had the, his worst years? I was years. actively rooting and happy for Chris Boswell to miss those kicks as a finger in the eye of Tomlin for, for, going, for not going for it. And I... <laughs> I absolutely, I love Chris Boswell, and at no point did I feel any animosity towards him when he missed those kicks. None. And it also made it easier for me, Breach, to overcome the, the, the silly sort of coaching decisions from Tomlin, not from Matt Canada, who I think should be fired immediately. But um, I, I feel like this team actually has some potential. Um, again, I mean, Matt Canada is getting fired. My only concern, my only issue, not concern, is that Tomlin's so stubborn that number one, he didn't start Kenny Pickett from day one, which he should have done. Yep. Mr. Bisky is not good. He's a great guy by all accounts. It was night and day watching him run that offense versus Kenny Pickett. But I wish Mike Tomlin was so wasn't so stubborn that he didn't fire Matt Canada at the end of last season. 
just it's just not good for anyone. The other thing I'll mention quickly is that Najee Harris, I love. Another reason why you don't need to take Seven carries twenty yards. Jalen Warren, undrafted at Oklahoma State, really good football player at Oklahoma State, was a spark plug. Again, there are needs you need to fill in 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 the draft, and you don't need to take running backs in the first round. The Bills averaged ten point two yards per play. <laughs> well, wait, wild. Me, Every time these, he ran a play, it was it's basically equivalent. To let me read time. these numbers to you, and you tell me what they mean to you. 98, 62, 41, 24, the 17. The Steelers touchdown. The length of the, uh, the Bills touchdowns. They were all links to the Bills touchdowns, except the 41-yarder, which was the longest pass reception by Stephon uh, Dix, who also had a 24-yard, or excuse me, 17-yard touchdown reception. Uh, the the crazy play. thing is, is that like it went from because uh, the 98 yard touchdown came on third and 10, I think. And they were well, at, let, like, let me let me back up. It was the first kickoff of the drive. The The kick return for the Bills muffed it and he got tackled at the one yard line breach. So on third and whatever it was, third and eight. so you're thinking this is the kind of stuff that needs to happen if the Steelers are going to win. Then it's third and 10. You stuff them on two straight plays like, oh, maybe the Bills have to throw. Maybe we'll get a safety or they'll have to pile their own end zone. This is what you want if you're a Steelers fan. And then as soon as that touchdown hit, it was like, oh, my God, the Bills are going to win by 70. Uh, and yeah. that was just it. It was just did. game over. Well, it was actually it was actually just 10 to 3 after the first quarter. And then in the second quarter, Allen had uh, three touchdown passes. And it was just like, you know, we you know what they're doing. Like, you, if you got the red zone on, it's like it's like uh, Scott. Scott Hansen loves to act like he doesn't know what's coming. And he's like, <laughs> all right, let's go back to Buffalo where we haven't seen a whole lot of action lately. And he's like, oh, and he, you know, he's changed the way he says Josh Allen. We pointed out very much appreciated. Uh, he's like, and there's Gabe Davis again. It's like they just keep cutting back to Buffalo. and just knew it was going to be like a bomb. So you mentioned it was 10 to three. There was a stretch after the, the first drive for the Steelers where they went three and out. And on two of those three and outs, Matt Canada, in his infinite wisdom, ran the ball, Najee Harris, the first two downs for, you know, 0.3 yards. And then Kenny Pickett was forced to throw the ball in third and long. Yeah. Um, what What are you doing? Even Tony Romo is like, you know what? The best time to throw the ball is on first down because your defenses that you're facing are as vanilla as they're going to be. Yep. So, anyway. I mean, we, we talked about this at length several times. And I mean, we don't, we don't need to rehash it, but Matt Canada definitely – um, I would say Matt Canada and Matt Rule have the hottest seats in uh, in professional football. Right? One last thing I'll say is that this whooping was so bad that Case Keenan played most of the fourth quarter. <laughs> Another whooping from an AFC East team, this time to a division rival, but uh, extenuating circumstances to a degree. Jets 40, Dolphins 17. The Jets snapped a 12-game AFC East losing streak. Uh, the Jets and the Giants are both over 500 to, uh, at the same time wow. for the first time since week nine in 2015. Uh, by the way, both missed the postseason that year. Uh, Brees Hall, the first player in Jets history with 90 rushing yards, 100 receiving yards, and a rush touchdown in a game. The Jets have the most points scored since week six of 2018 and their largest margin of victory since week 13 of 2017 when they beat the Dolphins 40-13. to 13. Teddy Bridgewater, uh, the story in this game, though, because in filling in for Tua Tungavailoa, who was in the who's in the who was out ruled out because of concussion issues. Um, the NFL and NFLPA changed the ruling, changed the changed the concussion protocol this week. Like on Friday, they they got it in before the game started. Maybe it was even Thursday before the Thursday night game, but they got it in this week. And uh, basically, if you show, uh, is it ex, extica? Is that is that the right pronunciation? Uh, no, um, I have to look it up. Anyway, it's if you show if you like or if you were wobbling. Like walking, like with a wobble. That's basically what it is. Like you're displaying, like a ataxia. Poor, axia. Yeah. Thank you. Ataxia. Um, yeah. 
Ataxia, yeah. If you if if you if you have ataxia, then you are automatically going to be placed in the concussion protocol and cannot come back in the game. That's why Olave was ruled out. Probably I didn't see the Fryermuth one. I assume the same thing. And yeah. that's why Teddy Bridgewater was ruled out of this game. Um, so I mean, somewhat ironically, I guess that the Dolphin, you know, the Dolphins, because of how they handled the Tua situation, ended up uh, having to play uh, a a. a was he a rookie? Seven yeah, Skylar Thompson. Skylar Thompson uh, Kansas, out of Kansas, Kansas State. Kansas State, And yeah. uh, it was not It was not good. Had a great preseason to the point where they were like, there's no way we can cut him. And luckily for them, they didn't. By the way, a couple folks in the comments mentioned that uh, the big loser in this game, also a winner, Brady Quinn. Brady Quinn. Oh, is Brady a winner? $1,000 donation, man. Wake oh, up. yeah, that's right. Nice. Hell yeah. Good point. Thank you, Daniel. J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. God, I heard the Jets go on a run. They just rip off W's. <laughs> um, I mean, and, and this week's charity is probably the Will Brinson Foundation, yeah, Hair Plug Foundation, <laughs> Hair Plugs, Hair Plugs for Men, uh, yeah. just men, gray for men. Um, so I mean, the Jets scored the first three. They had a safety. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater get, uh, was uh, was it a was it offensive? Was it a hold, was it a holding? Or, no, it was offensive. Was it grounding? Yeah, grounding. Yeah, grounding for the safety. Greg Zerline field goal. Michael Carter punched the run. He got a lot of those. Um, Red zone carries, which is concerning for Brees Hall uh, fantasy owners, but Brees Hall obviously had a huge game. And this game was actually close, like up until, I mean, it was 1917 when Jason Sanders made a field goal in the third quarter for the Dolphins. And then the Jets just scored three times in the fourth quarter to make it an absolute bloodbath. Uh, are, are the Jets any good? Uh, the yep. Dolphins had a chance to take the lead in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Jason Sanders missed a 54 yard field goal. It felt like, like if you were watching at that point in the game, and you didn't know if that field goal was going in or out, and you found out the final score was 40-17. to 17. Literally, fourth quarter, Dolphins lining up for a field goal to take the lead, and they lose by 23 points. Are you insane? It doesn't even make sense. So it was just like the Dolphins just fell apart. I mean, that fumble after that, and then the Jets got a touchdown and, and failed fourth downs. It's just a total disaster. Uh, well, the yeah, fact that they were my- even in it with their rookie quarterbacks telling because Teddy Bridgewater only attempted that one pass, the one that ended up being the part of the safety. So I, I get it. Um, but I think it says more about the, the Jets, Robert Sala, Zach Wilson. His teammates really appear to, to, to love him, and that's huge. And also I'll point out that uh, the young players in this draft for the Jets, they had a fantastic draft on paper, and it appears to be bearing stuff out. Sauce Gardner had the interception. Brees Hall, the second round pick, balled out. Zach Wilson was a top five pick two years ago. So um perhaps Quinton Williams had a big play. I think he had did he have a fumble recovery? He he was certainly in the mix. Uh yeah, he had the fumble recovery and your guy um Lawson, Carl Lawson half a sack to caused the fumble. So I mean, the lesson here is you can build through the draft if you don't you know blow your picks on running backs and in the first round and and stupid things. Uh, so I, I think there's a lot of optimism for the Jets, and I, they're a good football team. And here's the thing: we we talked about this in August. <laughs> as Brunson takes a sip of his uh, go-go juice, we talked about this in August. Said, somebody said my wine glass is almost as large as my head. <laughs> <laughs> Impossible. If if Zach Wilson wasn't the dude, they were going to be drafting a wide res- a quarterback. Excuse me, in this draft, he might end up being the dude, and that solves a ton of problems for your team, your personnel, your GM, your coaching staff as you go through the you know the 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 pre-draft process. So good for Zach Wilson for sort of appearing to be uh, on the right track. Yeah. I mean, I think that like, this is one of those, and, and you gotta, I mean, this sounds stupid, but you obviously have to play the season out and, and see how it goes because you know, the Panthers were three and zero last year. Nobody really thought that that was going anywhere, but oh this God, does have the feeling of 
And now it's a little fluky in the sense of how they've gotten here. Uh, you know, one of those wins by Flacco, but it, it does have the feeling of maybe the Jets are sort of headed in like headed in the right direction from a franchise building perspective with the way that they played and um, some of Zach Wilson's play of, of late, even if it was just the fourth quarter last week, uh, to your point, his, his teammates love him. Um, you know, this is a, a huge, it's, look, you, you blew out a division rival, uh, you know, maybe the, maybe, maybe the, maybe the final score is a little misleading in, in that respect, but I mean, to, to do what they did and to wear down Miami, I, I don't, I don't put it, I don't take too much away in terms of like, knocking Miami here for the, for the loss because as Breach points out, they kept it close with Skylar Thompson. Both of their, their two start, their number one and number two quarterbacks uh, weren't there. Teddy Bridgewater will be back next week. Um, to a bite, I guess, right? To it could be, yeah, yeah. Um, but they, we at least know they'll have Teddy because he's not in the protocol. Um, I think the, the, the Dolphins would be more likely to to make a playoff run of the three and two teams that we're talking about here. Uh, but I think it's a very good sign for the Jets, at least, you know, yeah. moving forward. Breach, let me ask you, assuming everyone's 100% healthy, rank the quarterbacks in the in the AFC East. In the AFC East? Josh Allen, uh, and after that, go two through four. Man, that, I, I don't even want to do that. Josh Allen, Tua. Teddy, Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, whoever the Patriots throw out there. Mac, Mac is last? I mean, he's not playing right now. I yeah. said everyone's healthy. Fine, Mac's last. Brinson? Uh... I think I'd still take Mac over Zach. Yeah, Breach is drunk. But, I mean, but like Zach Wilson, I think, is acquitting himself well yes, in yes. some of these situations. Even though it's you like, just said literally has a bottle of wine the size of his face, and you're <laughs> agreeing with him. I think the, the takeaway is that Josh is clearly number one, and then the next three. <laughs> like very big. And then there is a yes. giant gap, a grand right, canyon next, size gap. The next three are in the clown car behind the Escalade in which Josh, <laughs> Josh Allen is. Yeah, trying. I mean, it's, yeah. All right. Uh, Buccaneers 21, Falcons 15 controversy the Buccaneers were rolling in this game and then sort of took their foot off the gas let the Falcons back in it and then with uh Grady Jarrett sacked Tom Brady on third down and five at the Bucks 43 with less than three minutes remaining in the game trailing 21-15 the Falcons are about to get the ball back and Jerome Boger comes in and throws a penalty on Jarrett for roughing the passer, horrendous call, and it, it's 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 if I'm a Falcons fan, if I'm if I'm if I'm playing for the Falcons, I'm Arthur Smith, Fal- like whoever, like I am outraged at what happened and and how that's not reviewable and how the NFL can give that to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers allows him to run out the clock instead of giving the Falcons a ball back down six with a chance to go win. It's pr- it's maybe the most egregious. Uh, pass interference call. I mean, excuse me, I mean, excuse me, roughing the passer call I've ever seen. Um, afterwards, uh, pool reporter Greg Allman of The Athletic was interviewing Jerome Berger, asked him, like, hey, um, what's up with that call? He said, what I had was the defender grabbed the quarterback while he was still in the pocket and unnecessarily throw him to the ground. This is what I was ba- basic, making my, my decision based upon. He was asked about the two attack, the two uh, concussion uh, sack and said, no, not necessarily. It did not look like that. A football zebras, football zebras.com broke it down. It's like Jared didn't throw Brady down. He didn't pile drive him. He did not punish Brady with his weight and squash him. After the play, Jared didn't get Brady an extra shove, shot, or kick. In short, Jared did everything he was supposed to do in avoiding roughing Brady. I want to be very careful. Both the referee and umpire can call this foul. And watching referee Jerome Boger announce it, I didn't see a flag on his belt. And I did see a flag on umpire Barry Anderson's belt, leading him to believe that Jerome Boger did make this call. I mean, Jerome Boger's like. Did he's he, terrible at his job. He's I'll terrible at his job. 
Yeah. Awful. And look, it's weird to me that the NFL, and we talk about this frequently for any number of reasons, all of them annoying reasons, a multi-billion dollar operation. They're still in the 1700s when it comes to officiating these football games. Like, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? Why do we have old men with maybe they have great eyesight, but the way they call these things, presumably terrible eyesight, slow reflexes, questionable judgment, consistently making terrible calls? Why? What, what is the end game? What is the purpose? What is the upside? And maybe it creates drama. If that's what you want to do, then mission accomplished. But it's also incredibly like idiotic and annoying to talk about when week after week, there's always something. And usually Jerome Boker's in the middle of it with yeah. some half harebrained excuse as to why he did what he did. Yeah. I mean, this play was just one of those where literally you never see everyone on Twitter agree on something a hundred percent. Even Buccaneers fans were like, Oh yeah, that was bad. Uh, and when your own team is admitting it and you know, at that point, obviously the Buccaneers would have punted the Falcons were on a roll. Uh, you know, it's a six point game. You score a touchdown, you're going to win. And so it was just ugly. Um, I will say though, I did see somebody point out that on the play before the roughing the passer, the Falcons got away with an egregious, uh, pass interference, no call. So that goes to my original point. And I just I just put the video in Slack so you guys can see on the pass interference. But that's my original point, Breach. That, that there's just a bunch of nonsense going on because but we like, have Yeah, in the fourth quarter, you should just be able to challenge whatever you want. Like it, or there should be a, a mechanism in place. Changing the game. The NFL, like it's it's like it's like, all right, like we know you can buzz in and tell them to pick up flags. Like, why don't you buzz in and pick up the flag on that roughing the passer call? That was very clear. Like very clearly he's going to tilt the outcome of the game. Yeah. There should be a mechanism in place where you can overturn calls that are obviously incorrect, uh, whether they're subjective or not. I know because the NFL doesn't want to review subjective calls, but things like that, you've got to be able to have, be able to do something. Uh, the man formerly known as T in the comments, pretty much captures it succinctly succinctly and he says i feel like it's on purpose and part of me feels like it's so ridiculously stupid that it has to be on purpose like no one would unintentionally be this obtuse like they're, they're creating drama it's like a reality show it's like real housewives or something where someone says something so completely over the top like oh well they clearly did that on purpose because there's no explanation like in a rational world where again you have robots that can do literally anything you can get we, a drone drone to fly your house and drop off toilet paper in 15 minutes, but we can't figure out how to call. You just found out exactly what why like Axis yeah. Justin Tucker's football crossed the, the like the, the uprights in midair, like within 15 seconds of the ball going through the uprights. And you're telling me that we just can't have a better mechanism for stopping Jerome Boger from doing stupid stuff like in the in the middle of game that changes the outcome and like his whole crew operating at a like a D plus level at best. I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I mean, you get hard for me. I don't know what I don't know how do you what the how you sort of defend that if you're the head of officials, if you're the NFL, if you're Roger Goodell, and maybe again you don't. You like the drama, in which case mission accomplished. You just go hire somebody who can be better than him. You have lots of money. Hire robots. I, mean, I will anyway. say too that like the um, 
I mean, like the Buccaneers completely dominated this game. They were up 21 nothing, and it felt like it was felt like 50 nothing. And the Falcons really got going. And, you know, it's just, I don't know, like it's, it's just frustrating. I mean, that was like the whole like takeaway from the game, even though, you know, the Buccaneers probably dominated for the most part. Tom Brady actually threw 52 passes in this game. Uh, Little Fournette had 10 catches for 83 yards and a touchdown. Mike Evans was pretty good down the field as well. Marcus Mariota led the Falcons in rushing, which tells you a lot about the Buccaneers. Anything else on this game outside of Andrew Berger? Is yeah, I don't think Cordero played, right? And Tyler Azier had a, another another nice outing. Yeah, we knew Yeah, we knew uh, Cordero was going to play. 13 carries, 44 yards. Not bad for Azier. Yeah. yeah. All right, I we'll guess it's one of the best run defenses in, uh, in football. All right. Cowboys 22, Rams 10. Boy, oh boy, was this a case of an offensive line that is not very good running up against what is yeah, already making excuses. Defensive lines in football. Make excuses for Matthew wrong. Stafford. Go ahead. Dude, he's under siege. What are you talking about? <laughs> he's like Steven Seagal. <laughs> he's out for justice. I mean, it, didn't, it just felt like, like they got a um they had a uh Matt Gay 29 yard field goal in the first quarter to make it nine three. And then they had Cooper Cup's long touchdown pass. It just felt like they couldn't do anything on offense. The Rams, that is. Breach, let me ask you, is Riley Dixon a better quarterback than Matthew Stafford? He was one for one on his attempts on that fake punt. I thought it was Hecker back there. He he made it look pretty seamless. Well, I think that was the twist there is that you don't suspect the fake from the Rams as much anymore with Hecker out of there. And then Riley Dixon came in and made a huge play. But of course... Uh, it didn't end up helping the Rams at all. And you know what's funny is you, we talked about this last week. Uh, Brinson asked us what our concern level was with the Rams, and I was an 8.3. I was already high. And now... Yes, you I'm, were high. <laughs> I'm into the 9 range. I'm up to 9.1 with my concern level with the Rams. Their offensive line is atrocious. I mean, it's, you know, obviously Andrew Whitworth gone, Austin Corbett's gone, and then you had to fill in for those guys, but they're all, now they're dealing with injuries. So you have second string guys, you have third string guys in there. And if you play a good defensive front, the Rams can't do anything. I mean, they got destroyed by the 49ers. The, the Cowboys yep. defense destroyed them. I don't know what the Rams can do to fix the problem right now, uh, except for trade for three all pro offensive linemen, but uh, that doesn't they don't have any good. draft picks. They, they, yeah. What are they going to trade? So, uh, you know, unless they totally revamp their offense in such a way that they're running the ball more to take some pressure off Matthew Stafford, but they can't even do that because they can't run the ball. So Breach, let me read, yards. let me read some comments to you. Eric, Eric Baker, excuse me, says Stafford washed plain and simple. Jay-Z says Stafford does hold him to the ball too long, though, in response to Brinson. And finally, someone named, let's see, Joe Musso points out, Brinson is the violinist of the Rams' Titanic. Your <laughs> response, sir? Uh, you, you root for the Bears? I don't think any of those three comments are out of line. They, they feel pretty spot on. Musso. You tell Musso, like, the guy thinks he's been, I bet he actually spends, like, an extra 15 minutes waiting to get in this chat just so he can act like he's been working for, like, the entire time. So you don't want to defend Matthew Stafford playing like Russ Wilson? I mean, they look bad. They're terrible. Against a good defense, they're just not going to be any good. That offensive line is absolute trash, and and Stafford is not playing well. They need a second receiver. They need a better offensive line. Matthew Stafford looks like he's, he looks like he's, he looks like he's injured. He looks like he's dealing with a bunch of banged up injuries, and he's got a bad offensive line. Quit making <laughs> I will say, I don't think you're wrong. And, and Breach is exactly right. The offensive line are down to, you know, the the 
eighth and ninth stringers. Allen Robinson is still wearing his invisibility cloak, which he refuses to take off. Or his, uh, I love that like, the, the haters and the losers come rushing out to murder Matthew Stafford like as soon as they can. Follow it's his- your fault, by the way. You've been crapping on all these fan bases. They probably like Matthew Stafford before you started chirping. <laughs> so they come out to dump on you, and Matthew Stafford's the innocent bystander catching strays. Brenton, is Matthew Stafford still a Hall of Hammers? He lost your vote. Oh, boy. No, he's still going to get in the Hall of Fame. Mm. He's going to buy a ticket to get in there, though. Right, we'll see. Is when Andy Dalton's inducted. <laughs> They're two and three. They don't <laughs> look good. Uh, Personally, I wouldn't take this level of disrespect. Thank you. Uh, they lost to the Bills. They lost to a Cowboys team that has a really good defense, and uh, they lost, they lost to Cooper. Uh, and you know what the combination? You know the uh, all those all three games have in common. They didn't score more than ten points in any of those three games. Ouch. They are. They have been very bad against very good defenses, and Sean McVay has a lot to figure out if he wants to maintain this run of. Um, what nine plus one seasons that he's had ever since he took over the, the Rams. I, I'm confident that he'll be able to figure something out. I don't know what that is. Um, Brady Quinn and I talked about it on earlier this week. It was like, you know, you can either try and make some sort of uh, schematic adjustments or you can just try and do what you want to do and hope your guys get better. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's not, uh, it's not great. Look, Cooper not, rush, not great. Cooper rush is now five and zero. Oh. So we get well, the last season. He's five and oh, four and oh, this season. That's exactly four right. this season. And I think making a very good case oh boy. for why you should not bring Dak Prescott back until he's a hundred percent. Well, let me, let me, that's funny you mentioned that. Cause um, BMAC talked to, to me and Joe Musso about this in HQ and BMAC said the next game is at Philadelphia. And he said, if Cooper rush goes to Philadelphia and wins that game, Dak does not get his job. Back. <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. <laughs> what if he goes there and wins though? And he's six and zero lifetime, five and zero this year, and Dak's still not a hundred percent. You can make up any story you want about the the, the health of his his broken hand. Cooper's or Cooper if, if Dak is hundred percent, if Dak is healthy and ready to play, Dak is playing. What if Cooper Rush plays in Week Six against the Eagles and the Cowboys win, and then Dak is healthy enough to play in Week Seven against the Lions? And the Cowboys lose, then, hmm? then what do you do? That's what makes things more. Or not benching Dak for Cooper Rush. What about this though? What about this scenario? I brought this up to B Mac. What if Dak rushes back if he's ready next week? Who knows? But let's say he rushes back next week to play that Eagles game because he wants to be in the mix for a very important game. At halftime, the the Cowboys are down twenty-one to three, and Dak's thrown two interceptions. What do you do at halftime? Um, maybe if if he's if he's if it's for injury, maybe you bench him. If it's no, like, he's not injured. He's exactly the same. No, remember when Russ came back last year against the Packers? It was like clearly not ready to come back. Looked horrible the rest of the season. So I'm asking you, what do you do at halftime if Dak wow. is the same health level as he was when you started the game, and they're down 21 to three with two interceptions? I think you can say Dak is too injured. Dak is not playing well. He's hurt. <laughs> We're going to pull him out and put Cooper Rush in for. They're not going to be down 21 to three because no team has scored 20 points against them. That's the trick question, Wilson. Trick question. Uh, shout out to Brenton for uh, for what being the closest on the Dak return. Wilson, you and I guessed the Philly game. This was two weeks ago. This was after they beat the Giants. Uh, what did he say? He said he would hold them out until the bye, and that's starting to look like what might happen because I don't think he's going to play against the Eagles. Well, how do we know that? We don't know The way that. Dak talked about his injuries, that made it sound like he's not as close as, as Jerry would have hoped. Right. And that's basically probably – it's probably because Cooper Rush is winning games. But it was also worth noting that – the, the the Cowboys had two touchdowns and four field goals in this game. One touchdown was a, uh, a strip sack that DeMarcus Lawrence took back, and the other was a Tony Pollard jailbreak for 57 yards. So 
Cooper Rush finished the game 10 to 16, 102 yards. They averaged 4.5 yards per play. It, it's, it is a narrative. But he didn't make on. any mistakes. It's and here's the thing. wins that we're talking about here, not like Cooper Rush. Oh, not comedy. necessarily. How many how many interceptions and fumbles does Cooper Rush have in the he last? He doesn't turn the ball over, and he and he just and he, and he allows them to have these little dink and dunk drives where they okay. eat up clock and the defense is, is rested. I mean, like it's so it's a clearly a winning formula. But if Dak is healthy, Dak is playing. But it's not strictly QB wins because many a backup quarterback comes in, and many a backup quarterback throws interceptions and has fumbles. Kyle Allen did the same thing as Cooper Rush like four years ago. Without any interceptions or fumbles? I don't remember for sure. Yeah. How do you know no touchdowns either? Yeah, he's he likes zeros. What do you think he's mean? more like Kyle Allen or more like Patrick Mahomes? Uh is that a trick question? I mean, I'm just saying, like it's like Dak Dak is playing. Like I understand that I understand the hot takes are gonna be coming. But Dak how about Billy, how about Billy promoting the, the Eagles only content yeah, in the comments? Get out of here, that's Billy. Ridiculous. Uh, all right, let's move on. Oh, so what do you think? Da- Cowboys four and one. Like, I mean, the Cowboys are still alive to win the division. Like, they beat the Eagles. They're winning games with Cooper Rush. They're for real. I mean, that's yeah. still defense, alive. They, yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah, I mentioned this on the the uh, at halftime. But like, Dan Quinn has to get a job this offseason. And you know what job he's not getting? The Cowboys job because Mike McCarthy is safe as you can be with Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush saved that man's job. It's unbelievable. Dan Quinn's gonna be coaching the Panthers. The, by Panthers, the, should, the, the, the Panthers should hire Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn does not want that job. And not even tell Matt Rule he's fired. Just hire Quinn. And don't tell Dan Quinn either. Just just <laughs> take him hostage and make him show up in Charlotte. <laughs> uh, maybe he'll bring Cooper Rush with him. Okay. <laughs> Moving along. Giants 27, Packers 22. Oh the early morning game over in jolly old London. Breach, are you concerned about your doppelganger losing to the Giants in London? I mean, if I'm the Packers, I'm a little concerned. The offense just looked absolutely the whole team like trash in the second half. It was like, uh, you know, they the worry was that they would come out and play it's slow because possessions in the second half. Well, they complained all week about, you know, having to play in London and Russell Douglas said, ah, eh, this sucks. And Matt Ford didn't sound too excited about it. So you worried that they might come out slow, and that's absolutely not what happened. They led 20 to 10 at halftime. They were dominating uh, and then just disappeared in the second half, and it was hard to kind of put your finger on it. I, I would say that it was because they basically gave up on the run. I mean, you had uh, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon just running up and down the field, having a lot of success. I think they averaged over five yards for carry. and then. You just had Aaron Rodgers flinging bombs down the field. And really, I think we saw the end of the game where the uh, the, the Packers got down. It was 27 to 20. They got down inside the 10-yard line. And, uh, you know, third and one from the sixth, fourth and one from the sixth. Maybe give it to one of your huge running backs that you pay a lot of money to. And they did not do that. They got through two passes, both got batted down. And so it was just everything, just everything about the Packers was stinky, the stinky cheese in the second half. I think the other side of that conversation is that um, Brian Dable is no Joe Judds. He's legit. Yeah. Like he is, he has been an absolute game changer. And I think that's what gets lost when we hire these coaches. I don't think Brian Dable, does Brian Dable call plays or not? I can't remember. No, no. Uh, oh, Kafka. Um, yeah. Right, exactly. So he said, I think he figured it out in the preseason. It's like, you know what? I'm not going to do this. I have other things I need to concern myself with. Hey, Nathaniel Hackett, you see, you see what's going on here? Like, 
And look, we can all agree that there's a reason that, that Brian Dable was in Buffalo. He was in Alabama when two was there. I think Jalen Hurts as well. So he has a, a long track record of being successful with these young quarterbacks, but he knew enough to know that I can't do everything. And th the culture of that locker room has changed. It's done a 180 yep. from what when Joe Judge was there. And he has expectations for these players, and they appear to like having expectations put upon them. Daniel Jones looks like a, a completely different player. Saquon Barkley looks like a, a completely different player, but I think that's probably more to do with uh, a year further away from that ACL injury than anything. And I, this team is actually fun to watch. And it, it's, you know, you know, Giants fans that have been tormented for, for years now and in the post-Super Bowl Eli Manning era, and they actually have something to be excited about. I don't want to say this game isn't a surprise. It's a huge surprise. Wherever this game was played, you play this game on Mars, you expect the Packers to win, especially given that they were up by so much as Breach noted. But the way with which the Giants came back and the fact, the fact that the NFC East as the Cowboys are 4-1, the Giants are 4-1, and the Eagles are 5-0, and no one anywhere on planet Earth in the solar system, in the Milky Way galaxy, would have predicted that six weeks ago. Yeah, I mentioned on the YouTube uh, show with Brenton that since division realignment in 2002, this is just the fourth time a division has had three teams with at least four wins through the first five weeks. That's crazy, man. Any concern about Rodgers, or is this just an issue with the young wide receivers or whatever else? Yeah, season? heck yeah. I mean, the the receivers can't get open. They, they can't go deep. Rodgers was overthrowing guys. I think there's a lot of concern. You look at – how creative the Giants, the, the Giants had half their receiving group banged up. Uh, Saquon Barkley left the game with a shoulder injury for a little bit. They're, they're missing key players. Daniel Jones playing this game on a hobbled ankle and Brian Dayball and, and, and Kafka out there just designing this game plan that was perfect. They were like, you know what? If Daniel Jones is going to be hurt, we'll just run Wildcat. Okay. They ran Wildcat. They scored a touchdown on Wildcat and they just kept running all these plays that perfectly suited the talent they had on the field which is, felt like the opposite of what the Packers did. Dave was the first uh, Giants head coach to start his career four and one or better since Tom Coughlin did in 2004. It's the best five-game start for the Giants in 2009. Saquon Barkley looks like a totally different player than he has the last two years. It's, it's delightful to watch. Uh, they're probably going to have to pay him uh, fairly soon. No, I just franchise him. Don't, yeah, I just franchise him. Yeah. I, I, I think ownership will want them to pay him. It's just my guess. Yeah, I don't care what ownership wants. I, I just talked about the – the running back situation. By the way, uh, John Snow and your favorite Idris Elba character was in attendance. Like, who, oh, who you, Elba, yeah, he's British. Who are you taking? Like, uh, in terms of like their their most dangerous characters? I didn't know. Like, he was John Snow. Idris Elba was Luther, which is an awesome show. But that was a detective. Like, has he been a superhero or anything? Uh, he's in. Um, he's in Avengers, I think. Everyone's in Avengers. He was Everybody also in the office. Play James Bond, but he's not going to. Right. He was in the office. <laughs> uh, maybe he was, in, he was in the Suicide Squad. Okay. Could he beat up Jon Snow as a Suicide Squad? Yeah, I would member? take Idris. I think Idris is like like quietly. I mean, he's obviously like very famous, but he's oh, he's definitely in Avengers. He's the guy who uh, guards. Uh, oh, that's game. right. Can yeah. that guy take Jon Snow? Uh, I would totally take Jon Snow in that battle. Although, okay. if he has the powers to like move you to another dimension, I mean, that would be a pretty beneficial thing to give it call Thor to throw his hammer at you or something like that. Yeah. He's a, yeah. All right. Anyway, there we go. And also the fake Aaron Rodgers is there. He comes. He's a fellow alum of the fast and furious series is Idris Elba. Ridiculous. <laughs> he's also stringer bell. Like, I just feel like that has, to be yeah, let's do stringer bell. The, you said what? 
<laughs> yeah, he called you out last week for not knowing uh, whatever Come it was. On, man. Was. I know who Sugar Bell is. I've, I've, I've watched The Wire twice. Oh, you just you, that's a good save, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah I like, I didn't really know who Sugar Bell was. Come on. Um, but yeah, but that guy's not beating Jon Snow. Uh, Stringer Bell? No, John, John Snow with mystical powers is probably taking down Stringer Bell. <laughs> so, but yeah. That's like sleeping on the wire, guys. Relax. Everyone loves the freaking wire, okay? You didn't, you, you just got lucky. You, you, you <laughs> that, what are you talking about? It's one of the five best TV shows of all time. Uh, well, Although, I guess um, Stringer Bell would have guns and John Snow has a sword. <laughs> like that's... Yeah, but you can't kill John Snow. He came out from the dead. Oh, yeah, that's right. Back from the dead. Back, right. back, back. All right, we're going to take one more break. When we come back, we're going to rip through with the guy with Sugar Bell from the, or, uh, with uh, Idris Elba from The Office. Take yeah. down Jon Snow? No, no, no. He couldn't take down Michael Scott, so he's not taking down Jon Snow. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll rip through the rest of the games. Next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, some rapid fire stuff. The Patriots twenty nine, the Lions zero. Belichick is now five. Uh, Bill Belichick now five and zero in New England with quarterbacks outside the first round when making their starting debut. Bailey Zappi. Hey, this is just a. I mean, the Giants, the Lions were the highest scoring team in football, and they got absolutely skunked in New England. It was sort of a flex. The, the Matt Patricia revenge game, a flex of sorts by Belichick. A game the Pats needed to really calm everybody down. Uh, they have, as, as Breach and I talked about on the, the um, early, uh, early odds show, they have a stretch of like five or six games where they can rip off some wins and get back in the mix. Like, I'm not saying they'll win them all, but I think it's uh, they have the at Browns, Bears at home, two games with the Jets, and then uh, one more winnable game, I believe, maybe the Dolphins. But, uh, you know, the, like, I don't know if the Patriots are any good. I don't think they are, but. They can put up games like this occasionally. That sort of makes him a little bit dangerous, right? This is a whooping. I didn't watch a lot of it. I, I saw on fourth down, Jerry Goff fumbled the ball, and it was returned to the house by Jack Jones, I believe, the rookie out of Arizona State. He's heading out two back-to-back good weeks. Last week, he picked six to Aaron Rodgers. Oh, no, it wasn't. It was Kyle Duggar, excuse me, from, uh, you know where Kyle Duggar went to college, Princeton? E2. Lenore Ryan. Lenore Ryan, baby. So, um, 29 nothing is a whooping. Um, Dan Campbell... I, I thought this. I thought the Lions would actually win this football game, and, and they look like last year's Lions team. So you know, growing pains remain. I'm worried about Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator, who I like a lot. But this here, this the, here are the second half, the the, the Lions possession yeah. drive chart in the second half. Downs, oh, turnover, and downs, turnover, and downs, turnover, and downs, turnover, and downs. End of game. And the game couldn't have come soon. It really felt like uh, Jared Goff with PTSD from Super Bowl 53. Just like, oh, I got to face Belichick again. His numbers, his, his splits against Belichick and the Pats are just horrendous. Horrendous. Yeah. 
I mean, it is shocking they didn't score a single point. This was just the second shutout in the NFL this year. You guys remember what the other shutout was? Yeah, the Jaguars and the uh, Colts. Boom. Good job, Branson. Yeah, All right. Impressive. Speaking of that, let's go to the AFC South. The Titans 21, Commander 17. Um, man, Washington had a real chance to win this, and then Carson Wentz decided to Carson Wentz it at the end. Washington now one and four. It's pretty clear that the Wentz experiment is not going to work for the third straight team. It is October 10th, I will note, as that has been officially put into the record. Is it true that Debo quit because he couldn't handle, like you were talking about, yes. Junior, Swins, Junior Smith versus Carson Wentz? Imagine that Debo had the nerve to say to me that Carson Wentz is better than, than Eugene Cyril Smith III. That is, that is painting out poorly for old, old the old Debernator. Uh, they had no rush game. Brian Robinson came back, actually led the team in rushing nine yards, 22, uh, 22 rushing yards, nine carries, 22 yards, excuse me. Uh, he actually came out to uh, Many Man, which is a, a, has a lyric about being shot in the, uh, the leg. And, and Six came, weeks after getting shot twice in the yeah, leg. It's incredible that he was out there. And the Titans didn't really do anything magical. De'Ami Brown had a great game. Two catches, 105 yards, Finally. and two touchdowns. Love De'Ami Brown, even though he went to Carolina. Um Derrick Henry ran well, 28 carries, 102 yards, and two touchdowns. Just felt like um Breach, was this the most Titans win and the Mike? Most Bible. Titans win ever. You had Derrick Henry get his hundred yards. You had Ryan Tannehill do just enough. <laughs> uh he didn't hurt him. He helped him a little bit. But you know what I am gonna say is that I really feel like we all slept on the Titans this offseason. They yeah. were the number one seed in the NFL last in the AFC last year, coming off winning the division. None of us picked them to win the division this year. We all fell for Jacksonville. We all Stupid Prince man, fell man. for Jacksonville. We fell for Indianapolis. No, I don't. We all slept on them. I don't know what happened here, but the Titans are now back in first place, and they feel like the best team in the division. So, uh, <laughs> Joe Musso continue to dunk on Brinson as we move on from points to points. I will say, Bre- Breach, the thing that stuck with me was the way they lost that game to the Bengals and how poorly Ryan Tannehill played. Derek Henry just come back from the foot injury, so he wasn't close to 100%. But that team imploded, and that tainted my opinion of them. And also, I fell for the old Matt Ryan nonsense, which... The old I banana mean, on the tailpipe? <laughs> the old banana Matt Ryan in the <laughs> tailpipe trick. I just blew up right in my face. Uh, three, Brinson, one Brinson, of 11 three, on third down for the, for the commander. Brinson furiously uh, Googling 50 cent lyrics to make I sure just, you can have a comeback. I just, for I just was trying to make the reference. It was a cool, it was a cool thing. I thought, sorry for educating you with my Musso disagrees. Oh, Musso. I love that Musso goes home from a long, he's been in the office. Like he gets the <laughs> office. At noon. Us in the chat. He's there yeah, till 1 a.m. He goes home, uh, newly married. He's like, no, no. YouTube shot for YouTube photo too. Yeah. Very handsome. <laughs> Titans 13 Jaguar six. Oh, Texans. Whoa. Texas. 13. How disrespectful of you. Oh, Texas 13. Excuse me. God, I can't read. Um, the Texans, Jaguars just stunk at this game. You know uh, who the real winner was for this game? Breach. Because that was the one who predicted it. Urban Meyer was a real winner for this game. Not my fault, fellas. Yeah, seriously. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, 25 of 47, 286. No touchdowns, two picks. One in the end zone to Derek Stingley, a backbreaker. Yeah, that was, yeah. Trey, he had some really bad mistakes in this game. And it's not like the Texans played particularly great. I mean, Damian Pierce ran, he runs really hard. Oh um, and I mean, I just think that, like, oh boy, like, where did this Jacksonville team come from? I had him in Survivor. I mean, it was, it was, a, I was, I, I, this loss doesn't bother me. I, I think this is, these are the growing pains of a young quarterback, a young team in general. 
And, you know, Doug Peterson's still trying to put his, his stamp of what this team should look like. So, and by the way, do you know the last time that they beat the Texans? Well, it's like, uh, it's like they've won nine straight. I know it's that. It's crazy, man. 2017, nine straight. So just There's like the super weird, like AFC South streets. The Colts can't be the Jags, and the Texans always. The Jags beat can't beat the Texans. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know what to say, man. Like, you just got to, you need to go win this game at home. Uh, did the Jaguars lose because of weather this week to LOL? Oh, Billy's trolling you. I don't get it. I, I, don't, I don't know. Do you not remember what you said good. last week about why the Eagles were able to win? You know, Trevor Lawrence and the weather and all those fumbles. But I picked Jacksonville to, to, to lose, Billy. No, no, no. I'm just saying, you know, you, you just made that a very big point last week. Well, okay, someone in the know. comments said earlier during the, the Eagles conversation, where are all these Eagles fans coming from? Everywhere, they're just out talking smack. <laughs> I'm gonna follow HR um, against Debo for hiring all these Eagles. Fans. Jaguars had 22 first downs to 15, 422 yards to 248, 5.8 yards per play to 4.4. They just went 0 of three in, on fourth down and 0 of three in the red zone, 0 of one in, on goal to go situations. That sort of tells a story here, right? Like the, the Jaguars should have won this game. And they just didn't execute six the to six for the whole longest time. I mean, it was yeah, it was, it was rough. It was, it was, it was this not, is an anti Lions type game in terms of the points scored. It was it was yeah. it was not a fun watch. Well, the Lions scored zero points, but sure. No, no, Vikings I mean twenty nine Bears twenty two. Do you hear that, Joe? The Bears lost to the Vikings 29-22. Although the Bears should have won that game. No, oh, you you said it out loud. I mean, shouldn't they? Did they have? Oh, Kirk Cousins was on fire. He started 17, 17, 17. I mean, the I think. stats are like yeah. way better. I mean, 17, 17. Even... It was what, 21 to 3 midway. The Vikings through. were 12 of 15 on third down. I don't, yeah, I don't know if the Bears should have won. I just mean like the Bears had a chance to win the game and it felt like they. Yeah. The Vikings only punted once. The Bears literally could not stop them. The, yeah. They, I mean, Minnesota. Okay, let, me, let me rephrase it. I felt like the Bears are going to steal this and really wreck survivor pools. I, I, I think the saving grace was number one. <laughs> oh boy, here we go. Joe Musso making excuses if you're watching on YouTube. I think uh, the 1 p.m. start was a godsend for Kirk Cousins. But as often happens with Kirk Cousins, he starts strong and then he turns into Kirby. And then it's a matter of trying to sweat out the, the ending. And was it start strong enough to carry him through the, the sweat? 16, and you would 16, think or was it 17 of 17 would be 17? enough. And, you know, it, it sort of fluctuates. I will say the, the, um, this is the yeah. This is the Amir Smith Marset play at the end where he got stripped as he was running on the sideline, standing up straight by Cam Dantzler that sealed that game. And that's not why they lost. But it, it one of the little my pet peeves is that I, I it shocks me when I watch it every single week, multiple times a week, often where guys with the football are shocked to see someone come up from behind and either knock the ball out or take it from them. There are a lot of guys on the field that are as fast or faster than you. And when you're cutting back sideways, typically people will hit you from behind. And more times than not, these people fumble. That's just one middle. I feel like it was a shock to the receiver because it was Cam Dantzler who just got knocked down. And so you don't think that person's going to shoot back up and be the first guy to make contact with you. It was an athletic play. Uh, but yeah, you can't you can't be stripped in that situation. So take it back. I don't. I don't. Yeah, the, the Bears should. I don't believe the the Bears actually ever had. There's never bull, above uh, like above fifty percent win probability for the Bears in this game. Even when they're leading twenty two twenty one, 
uh, with um, on yeah, and, and like with eight forty eight to go. Like it was just obvious. I guess it was obviously the Vikings were okay. I was hoping that the Bears would win and, and wreck Survivor pools, and they didn't, and that disappointed me. Who is the worst and who is the best four and one team? Ooh. Um, that's a good question. Do the so Eagles have, count as a four and one team? Can we count the Chiefs? The Bills are the best four and one team. The Bills are the best, and then the other four and one teams are all in the other conference. We well, it's have either Minnesota, Chicago. I mean, Minnesota, New York, or Dallas. Giants. Uh, yeah, yeah, the Giants. Giants. Are. Giants are probably the worst four and one team, just barely. Are yeah. they worse than Minnesota? Who would you take if they played tomorrow? The Giants. Really? I'm taking take, Brian Dable over. Um, I, I'll take I'm taking Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook. Yeah, they I went. They, they went to London and beat Green Bay without Wandale Robinson, Kadarius Tony, and Kenny Galladay. If you want to throw him in there, I mean, I mean, the, the Giants are like plus ten in their point differential. Vikings are plus thirteen. The Vikings beat the same Packers team by sixteen points. The Bills okay. are plus ninety-one point differential. Not that football works like that. All right. Finally. Oh, there's more. Jeez. One more. It's the last one. We don't talk about it long. We'll let Brenton talk about it. An absolute poop fest of a game. Uh, 49ers 37, Panthers 15. Oh, God. Um, yeah, you, you explain this. Let's see. Uh, I will I'm say why you read some. I'm just going to read some text. Let's see. Florio says, by the way, that the days are, are numbered for Matt Rule. This needs to be blown up. I hate it, but I just think you have to a full reset at this point. Can't imagine Tepper is okay with this. He ain't. Let's see. Um, I mean, they hired Ben McAdoo and signed Baker Mayfield. Not sure what they expected. Oh, and kept Matt Rule. <laughs> yeah, rotten top to bottom. Like it's. By the way, whoever said that text about about uh, McAdoo and and Baker, that person should get a bonus. Uh, shout out to Owen Zingraff, my buddy, for that. This Here's is the thing with it that Owen points out that I say often: when fans are able to figure out days, weeks, months before the coaching staff and the general manager and the owners are uh, about something being idiotic. That's what's so infuriating when you're watching these things. Like everyone saw this coming from a mile away. Although, as I say that Brinson, you, you and dumbass breach convinced me that the Panthers might be good this year. So that's on, that's on me for falling for it. But I think the lesson is when fans know before the organization does. Yeah. What what you think was going to happen? Here's a, here's, here's a couple more. Remember how cocky Tepper was the day we hired him, grabbing his girl's butt and stuff on camera? Uh, where's that photo of all the head coaches where he looks like an absolute deadbeat? I said it then. You have to pile hard for like three days to make your pants wrinkle like that. That's ridiculous. Get a bleeping grip, dude. You're an adult. He looks like a couple of dudes I saw at the, at the bar earlier. Well, I don't even know what... He looks like he pooped his pants. The, 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 the picture of Matt Rule at the, at the owner's... Oh, room. the coach's He's thing, yeah. Like, like so slobby. Um yeah, I, uh, I mean, I think there's a chance he gets fired tomorrow. My guess would be that he gets fired after in two weeks after they so they play the at the Rams and then they have the Buccaneers. And if you fire him after the Buccaneers, you get the Falcons next. And we've seen kind of a a, a lot of times with these owners and these GMs. And now Tepper may not be this patient, but fire somebody in before a game you think you can win so it makes it look like your decision like it's you know like it justifies your decision if the team wins that's i'm not saying it's i'm not i'm just saying it's uh florio mentioned on pft that uh he's heard rumblings that rules days are numbered and one of the good things about firing him too sweet is that 
if he gets a coaching job, which is much more likely in college when the jobs are available as opposed to waiting until January, is that however many dollars he gets paid for that coaching job is however many dollars that the Panthers do not have to pay him on his current deal. So, yeah, that's also something. Like that's, that's why he won't let it go out the full season because uh, it looks like Wisconsin is probably going to go with uh, Jim Leonard, I would guess. I mean, I can, obviously that could change dramatically over like, the rest of the season for him. Uh, but Nebraska would be certainly be a landing spot. And if they're willing to be patient, he'd probably take a little less money from them because you know, you're still got that Panthers money. Uh, you got Arizona state. I don't think they hired anyone. Right. Yeah. Arizona state would make sense. Yeah, I, I mean, it's pac 12 is different, but he went to Baylor. He turned that program around or, you know, got it back on the map. Temple is obviously he, he helped revitalize that program. So he's not necessarily looking for an Alabama or an Ohio state. He can go somewhere. Right. And maybe he prefers to go somewhere where the expectations aren't quite through the roof where he can sort of, you know, walk around in his crumpled up khakis and no one cares. Yeah, I mean, he. I mean, this is an embar- I mean, this is so such an embarrassing loss. Like the Panthers well, scored. Uh, they had uh, a CMC run and two field goals. I believe, or th- excuse me, three field goals. Oh yeah, they were down thirty to twelve, and it, it, like you're down eighteen, you gotta like you gotta kick a field goal at some point. But if kicking the field goal at that point felt like, oh my god, like if. if if the Niners punch one more in, this is just humiliating. But here's the thing. If Vince Lombardi was coaching this team in his heyday, Baker Mayfield is still terrible. So yeah. what do you who are you playing a quarterback? I mean, the quarterback's a problem. The offensive line is a problem. The coach Let me ask you this. Problem. Why not play PJ Walker? I mean, whatever. He actually did play with five or six or sixty yards, which Yeah, Baker was, got hurt and left the game. Baker said, I'm I've had enough. I'm gonna go take a break. <laughs> There's no walk. He, he, yeah, he showed up he showed up. And wearing a walking boot, I would have shown up in the post game wearing a walking boot, an eye patch, two arm casts, and a neck brace, just to. I think the you fact- made the case too, by the way, that bottoming out this year would not be the worst thing for the Panthers. They haven't been able to get a quarterback, a good quality quarterback, to come to their team via trade. Like they won't agree to do it. So if you can, if you can get one through the draft, like it, right. and you have and you have some offensive line pieces you put together, and you have this young, talented defense. Um, yeah, no, they, they're on the right path to doing that. But the issue is. It's a crapshoot. Unless you're drafting Justin Tucker in the first round, it's a crapshoot. Yep. All right. Anything else from this week? Uh, the, Bay, uh, the 49ers look like the best team in the MC West. Uh, yeah, yeah, we didn't talk about the 49ers. Yeah, they oh, won. Yeah, sorry. Good, good point. Yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo is here's the thing. Like, I, I like to dump on Jimmy Garoppolo and Kirk Cousins, but typically, you know what you're getting from those guys. And if you can work around that, you're fine. Clearly, that. <laughs> Kyle Shanahan didn't want to work around it. That's why he drafted Trey Lance. But this is a, a great backup plan, much more so than Cooper Rush, which we sort of jokingly talked about him being a legit 5-0, and but in a different way. And then you have the running game through Kyle Shanahan that works, and the defense, which obviously works. Bosa left with an injury. I'm not sure his status. Robbie Gould got jacked jacked up a couple like times. Yeah. yeah, and he left. So they And you sort of tweeted about the issues with the kicking game breach. I think the punter finally made – uh, a field goal at the end there, but they, they had some concerns with that. We'll see how that plays out. But I think in general, the takeaways that Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, his QB wins, W-I-N-Z, is really good, but he understands what he needs to do, and he pretty much operates within the framework of that Kyle Shanahan offense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 49ers are very much a viable candidate to, to rank the eight, NFC West, and we'll leave. Uh, San Fran... Seattle, yes, Los correct. Angeles, Arizona, yes. yes, that's right. Do you just move that breach? That sounds right. <laughs> I'm not gonna hate on it. Eugene Cyril Smith the third. Love it. All right. 
That's it for the show. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. For Wilson, for Breach, I'm Brinson. We'll be back, as always, tomorrow. Now until the end of time. See you guys. Later.